Hello and welcome back to PWP, the People's Wrestling Podcast. It's our second ever episode, so if you listened to the first, thank you very much. If you didn't, I don't know how you found this one. Um, but it's been a big week in WWE, in the world of wrestling. Uh, to help me talk you through it first, it's Aiden Bunker, everyone. Hello, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad, Aiden. Busy week? Uh, not particularly, just thinking about... What we can go over this week there's been quite a quite a few talking points there has been there has been most certainly um why don't we start off with some some latest news from the world of the wwe uh yes yeah, sure so i would say the probably the biggest talking point of the week from outside of programming would be the departure of eva marie yeah it's a, a big shame no such a uh, talented member of the roster <laughs> um but you know um Someone who WWE obviously put a lot of time and effort into hasn't really paid off. Yeah, it definitely sounds like they would want to have uh, kept her under contract. They've invested a lot in invested a lot into her. Um, she's obviously hugely popular on social media, online. She just hasn't quite worked out in the ring. Never looked like she was really taking it seriously. No, I think it's probably true to say that Eva probably had bigger ideas than WWE for her career and you know fair play to her she seems to be heading that way um, it was definitely a good launching pad by the looks of things exactly remains to be seen whether um, you know the, the types of movies or projects that she works on are of any decent quality or not but um, you know time will tell um, moving on from that then um, a couple of uh, pieces of bad news for, for WWE fans particularly fans of, of Bailey. Yeah, um, so a lot of people were questioning whether this injury was um, legitimate or not. Um, but definitely by the looks of things and what we've seen on Raw this week, it's a genuine separation in her shoulder. Going to keep her out of SummerSlam at least. Um, they've been quite vague on the details in terms of how long they're expecting her to be out, whether she'll need surgery or not. So it's a bit open-ended for now. Yeah, we touched on it last week. Um we also mentioned the fact that perhaps it might have been a work but I think we're seeing it's not um, the the bumps that she took from Nia Jax first the one into the ropes and, and then the sort of um, the slams that, to the mat that Nia um, that Nia did on her that particularly vicious especially the landing um, so yeah I mean it's such a shame for Bailey when it was um, you know her chance to shine on a big stage at SummerSlam um, I know that people perhaps wanting to see Sasha in that match, and we'll come on to that uh, a bit later. Uh, but yeah, just a just a big big shame. Um, she addressed the WWE universe on Raw this week, um, and again we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, painful injury. We don't know how long Bailey will be out for. Um, more news on the injury front, however, uh, in the tag team division on Raw. Uh, more unfortunate news for the revival. Yes, yeah, so as Scott Dawson over the weekend on the house show suffered a torn bicep, which I imagine is very painful. Uh, which again, not too many details have come out since. But during Raw, Michael Cole did say that they will require surgery. And I've never had a torn bicep, but I can imagine it's it's not an injury which I ever imagine would be a quick one to come back from. So um, a bit of a shame, seeing as they've literally only just come back from the injury to uh, Dash Wilder with his jaw. Yeah, and it's um, I don't I hope this isn't going to be 
uh, something which sort of follows the revival around in their WWE careers. Um, seems to be where they, they get a bit of momentum and then uh, they have to disappear again for a little while, um, which is you know, again such a, such a shame for them. Hopefully, um, Scott Dawson will make a, a quick recovery. Um, as you said, it's not a it's not a simple injury by the sound of it, and it's going to require surgery. So it will be a few months, which is um, definitely a shame shame for them. A shame for the tag team scene on Raw as well, um, which has been by and large pretty impressive over the last few weeks. So yeah, hopefully we'll see. Bailey and Scott Dawson back sooner sooner than we think. So yeah, as we say, both of these um, these injuries have a big impact on the Raw roster and the, the women's and the tag teams divisions respectively. Uh, and to help us delve further into Raw this week, Matt Bumby, ladies and gentlemen. It's me, it's me, it's that M-A-double-T. Nice self-made intro there, Matt. You, uh, you've worked hard on that one. It took me about 10 minutes. <laughs> Uh, Max, excited to be back for a second episode. Did we ever think we'd get this far? We got past one. <laughs> People listened. We're on two. They did listen, and, and and actually, we're on forty-five listeners as we speak for our first episode. So you know, it's progress. It's progress. It's certainly... Thank you very much to them forty-five people. Certainly, mate. Whoever you are. <laughs> Three of them were us. <laughs> still forty-five people. Forty-two more than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> Too true. Uh, so Matt, yeah, um, big week in WWE. We're just two weeks out from SummerSlam now. You looking forward to the big show? Not the actual big show, but the you know the the big show. Oh, you mean SummerSlam? I mean SummerSlam, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the whole weekend. Uh, takeover should be a good event. It always is yes. at SummerSlam. The takeover before is always good, and then SummerSlam. Is it going to be a five-hour show this time? Seems it. I think they've already announced that the the kickoff's going to be two, so that generally means that they're going to go long on the on the main card. Well, let's hope we don't fall asleep during <laughs> during the end bit of SummerSlam. No, well, it's a stacked card, so we'd hope that there's enough excitement there to to keep us going. Um, but we'll see. You know, we're getting on a bit. <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> in Canada um, as the commentators like to refer to it Bizarro Land Bizarro Land uh, we heard that a fair few times over the course of um, Raw and Smackdown um, there's probably a reason why they like to reiterate that point and we'll come on to that um, it certainly was evident throughout both shows that the, the crowd might not be booing who they expect or might not be cheering who they expect um, and uh, the commentators love to point that out to us just in case we couldn't hear it with our own ears. Uh, so Raw starts off, um, surprisingly, I know it's going to shock both of you, with a promo. <laughs> with a promo. Uh, a little bit different though this week. Um, Miz TV, Miz already in the ring, um, just looking really annoyed and, and basically demanding that Jason Jordan comes down to the ring so that they can, they can finish what Jason Jordan started last week. Not in the mood was what he started his promo with not in the mood and you could definitely tell that on his face <laughs> yeah i mean i mean miss miss great he'll work again as always um but on that demand he didn't get jason jordan Aiden, who did he get well kurt angle who got a massive reaction from the crowd and he came out looking just genuinely so happy to be there 
everyone was telling him he sucks and he couldn't look more pleased. Yeah, is that not getting a little bit old, the you suck and then him liking it? Um, I guess it's a um, nostalgia thing. It's more of a sign of affection these days than it was back in the day. Yeah, I don't like it personally. I think it's a, it's gone beyond the realms of it being nostalgia. I think it's just become a little bit annoying. Like at the time, back in the day when he was a heel, it made sense. When he didn't like it being sung to him, it made sense. But now you take the context of that, saying someone like Kurt Angle that he sucks, and then him singing along and laughing along. I can just... understand. I can understand it at the Hall of Fame speech. You suck. That was, that was funny. But now he comes out every week and they sing it every week. It's, it's for me. It's just gold. Yeah. Um. Agreed. I think. Please just stop. Yeah. Please, please, just stop. <laughs> Um, so Kurt comes out um, he says that Miz won't be seeing Jason Jordan right now because he'll be facing Curtis Axel later on in the night um, but what he does say is that he has a, a big guest who has something to get off their chest and who has questions that need answering and Brock Lesnar uh, is the guest for Miz TV well Brock and, and Paul Heyman as well uh, again unexpected didn't expect to see Brock although Michael Cole did say that Brock was, was scheduled to, to appear um, but we didn't know that. Uh, great reaction for Brock. Such a, a huge pop. Uh, he really is a proper mainstream draw at the moment. Um, which, you know, asks further questions about whether his perhaps imminent departure from WWE um, leaves WWE in a bad place. But um, yeah, just a, a massive, massive reaction. He's so over with the live crowd, isn't he? In yeah. Bizarro world. In Bizarro world as well. Yeah, I think kind of back to what we said last week about how uh, using his actual entrance music to introduce him rather than Paul Heyman on the mic just garners such a, a larger reaction from the crowd. Yeah, that first few bars of music really hits home with the crowd and they really get pumped yeah. up. And it was a genuine surprise. Yeah, it was. Um, just thinking back, way back in the day towards sort of WrestleMania 20 time when there obviously people had, had heard that Brock was, was leaving in his, and Goldberg as well actually during their first match um, and the crowd evidently didn't like that and showed Brock Lesnar that they didn't like it. What do you think is different now that perhaps uh, he he's likely to be going back to UFC and the crowd know about that but they don't seem to care as much this time or is there something, why would you think that's different? I think it's a slightly different than last time because Goldberg was also leaving um, so if the crowd knew that both of these guys in this match were leaving they didn't really care so much whereas this time we don't know if he's leaving leaving he might still retain the title and it's exciting to see who's going to come out on top whereas before there wasn't any consequence of whoever won that match because both of them were gone yeah I think last time it was uh, it was declared a little bit before WrestleMania that he definitely was leaving for the XFL. That really worked out for him. Um, I think this time, yeah, we don't know if he's leaving. I think if he does leave, maybe if he does lose at SummerSlam, maybe then the crowd do boo him. We'll, we'll see at SummerSlam, I think. Yeah, and I think as much as Raw was in and SmackDown were in Bizarro land of Toronto... Um, this week, I mean, SummerSlam's in Brooklyn, and that's not going to be a forgiving crowd, is it? 
No, they don't usually. That's a hotbed for smart marks, as I believe they're <laughs> referred to. <laughs> Not that we are those types of guys, no? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> I don't know, all the time. Okay, so um, Miz again really hitting close to the bone with uh, with his comments. Um, oh, this, the first bit was the best bit that he said. When my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. Pull. Not the crowd. Pull. Before he can even speak. Yeah. Um, and Paul, Paul are visibly annoyed at, at that comment. Threw the microphone down. Great. Um, well, my notes say great facial. Yeah. Mm, not the best of notes, but it was a great <laughs> facial by Heyman as he chucked the mic on the floor. Are you sure you were watching Raw at this point? <laughs> he definitely was watching Raw. Um, but yeah, Miz, Miz getting personal. Um about uh, Paul and about Brock, uh, brave man. <laughs> yeah, well, what I loved about this was the whole time he was um, laying into Brock and laying into Paul, he was standing behind yeah. Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. At no point did he kind of get in his face, which obviously you would because Brock Lesnar is absolutely terrifying. If you've hired Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas, you definitely stand behind them when Brock Lesnar's there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um... I could really, I could probably watch Miz versus Heyman on the mic all day, and that would be something, you know, they could probably make a network special just out of that. Um, but after Miz's per, sort of personal comments about Brock leaving, um, and really going, going, laying in deep, which is something he's done with the likes of Daniel Bryan and John Cena and, and Nikki Bella, and in recent months, and the, the Miz just gets better and better on the mic. Um, but Heyman had his chance to to reply. Um, says he's into role play. Matt, I know we're going on about facial <laughs> role play for you. Um... <laughs> Should we leave that one there? Yeah, we'll just leave that one there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, Payman says he's into role play and that um, uh, the Miz. Or do you ever role play? I think was the uh, line. Do you ever role play with the wife? <laughs> No, now I've just got pictures of Maurice. And, uh, his, um... <laughs> what, the next season of Total Divas is going to be interesting. <laughs> I would watch that series. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, yeah, Heyman says that... Uh, I can't remember which way round he got it now, but uh, The Miz is, is Roman Reigns, uh, and Curtis Axel is, is Curtis Samoa Axel Joe. Curtis Axel is Braun Strowman. Right. Bo Dallas is Samoa Joe. Right. You can see the similarities. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, that Brock Lesnar was going to give them a little preview of what's going to happen at SummerSlam, and he proceeded to uh, take them all out with with a bunch of suplexes and and F fives. One one point I would like to make about this, yeah, it looked great, and you know that's kind of what you expect from Lesnar. I kind of would have liked the Miz to have remained unscathed from that and just sort of feed Akbo and. Uh, Axel to to Lesnar and, and then get out the ring. Yeah, that was my only gripe with the segment. I really, really liked this whole entire segment. It didn't feel too long either. But yeah, my only gripe was when he when Lesnar clotheslines Dallas and Axel, I, if I was Miz, I would have had him got out running out of the ring doing the complete opposite rather than running towards See, I Lesnar. Felt, I felt it was good and I felt that uh, Brock looked strong, physical, and I think it did a lot for Brock, this uh, little beatdown. Well, not a little beatdown, a pretty big beatdown. Yeah, I think it done a lot for him and it showed what he's capable of. Yeah, I mean, it looked it looked great, and don't get me wrong, um, it's great for Brock. I just feel like it's 
perhaps not great for the Miz. We've never really seen Brock and the Miz um, get physical in any way. Um, and I feel like, you know, now we've seen it a little bit, obviously not in a match or anything, you know, that we, maybe we could have saved that and it would have played more into the Miz um, being a cowardly heel if you just, you know, even if he pushed Bo and Axel into Lesnar and then Scarpet yeah. with Maurice, then that, that would have that would have made sense. But, you know, you know swings and roundabouts, it, it was fine. Um, there were two great lines from Michael Cole first and then Corey Graves. Michael Cole says... Miz called Lesnar bad rubbish, but Lesnar just took out the trash. I quite like that line. Yeah, but also, line. Corey Graves right at the end says, Hollywood hasn't seen that many F5s since Sharknado. Has <laughs> <laughs> anybody Corey seen the Sharknado film, by the way? No. No. I would not recommend. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't planning on it. I once saw 10 seconds of uh, one of the films. Oh, uh, 10 seconds then. <laughs> yep. And at one point, in a, in a passenger uh, aeroplane... Someone looked out the window to see a shark jumping up, trying to bite the wing. Okay. As far as I'm aware, sharks cannot jump that high. And aeroplanes don't fly underwater. No. Okay, yeah. We we can just quickly <laughs> cut that bit off, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to see it anymore. We, you <laughs> definitely don't need to see Sharknado. Good plug for Sharknado. <laughs> Not a good plug for Sharknado. Don't watch it. Um, one thing that we did watch this week, for the second week in a row... Um, Seth Rollins versus Sheamus. Um, I was kind of expecting Seth versus Cesaro, um, and then maybe Dean versus Sheamus, but we, you know, we got we got Seth versus Sheamus again. Uh, good match again. Um, first thing really I've got. First point I've got is the first thing the commentator said, and they must say this quite a lot. Wasting no time there, going straight to work on Sheamus. It's Michael Cole's favourite line as soon as someone comes in and starts wrestling. Yeah, I suppose when you've been doing it as long as he has, you've probably got a list of go-tos that you need to get through every couple of matches. Yeah. Um, Sheamus gets the win over Seth uh, with interference from Cesaro, which kind of saw coming uh, yeah, after, after, Seth's win, after Seth's win last week. Um, but it was a good match, right? Yeah, it was a good match. Fine TV match. Yeah, I, one of the things I noticed throughout this match, and ever since the heel turn from Seamus and Cesaro, is that Cesaro just seems so much more comfortable as a heel. Um, he's pandering to the crowd a lot more, but in like a antagonising way. Um, constantly just having a go at the good guy in the ring, telling him he's got no friends, all that kind of stuff. He just seems a lot more, uh, a lot more himself as a bad guy which I suppose is probably the case for most people is that they all say it's easier to be a heel I don't think we can understate the um, the effect that Cesaro and Sheamus have had on each other um, I mean Sheamus's character was fairly nailed down before he hasn't really changed too much from what he was before but Cesaro with the heel turn that's obviously a big difference for him uh, I think he's done wonders for both of them um, yeah he's breathed new life into both characters because they'd uh, even though their actual characters haven't changed too much, um, it's it's freshened them up. It's given them something new, um, and it's just gen- it's just been more interesting to see what they're going to do week to week. Whereas before it was their all, careers were sort of going. Down they were just the... drifting and floating. Although I must say the best of seven series was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. But where were they going to go from there? I think they've they've done they've, they've done probably done. Good more than what we expected with with both of these guys since then yeah when when they were told that they were gonna 
get a tag team opportunity. I think most people were very disappointed with that outcome, but since then I think they've grabbed the ball by the horns. The brass ring. Um, so after the match, Seth actually starts the attack with a, with a dive to the outside on both. Seamus sort of moves out of the way, um, and then comes the beat down like last week. Um, but well, they were looking for Ambrose to come out. Yeah, they both turned to look. And this is one one little sort of a, a piece of um, one little gripe for me was that once they started turning and looking for Ambrose, and the commentators acknowledged it. You kind of knew that he wasn't he wasn't yeah, coming, out, coming out, um, which I don't have a problem with him not not coming out. Um, I kind of expected it. That's the only problem when you know when Cesaro and Sheamus start looking to the the Rams and making it obvious that they're looking for him. You kind of know he's not going to come out. Part of me did think maybe he was going to come through the crowd, and they didn't. Um, and uh, Seth, after the beatdown, uh, goes backstage. Imagine he's just looking for Dean. He confronts him. Um, says, you know, what has he got to do to prove to him that he's a changed man? Dean, again, still holding out on him, saying that he told Seth not to put him in that situation. And that he Seth looks should, like the bad guy now. Yep, and that Seth, Seth should just get used to, to going it alone because as he's got Cesaro later in the night, Dean always has to do it alone. Where well, do we think... He, he also said it's been three years since they split up, and that seems like a long time. Yeah, um, it is a long time, and they make a, quite a big point. I mean, Cole specifically makes quite a big point of um, saying that Dean needs to get over it, and needs to let bygones be bygones, and, and Corey and Booker T seem to be of the opinion that, you know, well, depending on which side of the bed Booker T's got out that day, <laughs> uh, he has one opinion, and then next day he has another. But uh, the opinion generally is... Well, it's not that easy to forgive and forget. Um, and judging by you know how close WWE like to, to play up the Shield bond, you can understand maybe Dean's position in this situation. I liked that Dean said, uh, I've been burned once by you before, never again. Which kind of ties into Seth's whole new burn-it-down shirt and music and catchphrase that he seems to be getting over. Yeah, what do we think about the addition to the, the burn-it-down into Seth's music, by the way? necessary I, I quite liked it in that it 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 seemed to shock the crowd last weekend sort of almost woke them up because Seth's music isn't Seth's music's great I quite like it but it, it doesn't have the same impact as say like a Brock Lesnar's initial bit or the glass shattering or the rocks it kind of oh, just really? it just kind of starts rocks. starts and goes so sorry to bring him up man it kind of just starts and goes on and, and it, I think the, the burn it down bit was quite a, a good way to sort of shot the crowd into life again yeah his music's a bit stop start um so that's a good kind of way to to kind of wake you up and yeah get you going i i think it's quite good and then this week they didn't do it last week but this week when that bit happened the whole stage lighting was engulfed in led flames which visually looked very cool and do we think that some families might have a bit of pyro to that <laughs> bit? i was gonna say crucially um the led screens probably a lot cheaper to produce than pyro <laughs> yeah it's probably why we're seeing a lot more of that now i know it plays into the whole modern modern age thing with more technology but and we've we've everybody's been speaking about the budget cuts and the lack of pyro and some people have gone so far to say that they're not watching wwe again because there's no pyro and i mean yeah it was a big part of the good old days we all used to start with a massive fireworks display and and everything 
you know, loads of superstars had pyro in their entrances, and we don't get that anymore. I um, think we definitely were one of the big four events. I definitely think we can expect pyro at SummerSlam. Well, I mean, they probably blew their pyro budget at WrestleMania for the rest <laughs> of the year. <laughs> um, so once we get back from uh, Seth and Dean, uh, Jason Jordan. JJ, as I like to call him. That's your new nickname for Jason Jordan now, right? Well, I've got to think of something because I really don't like the character. Yeah, um, and uh, other people didn't seem to like the character this week. I know we were in Bizarro, Bizarro World, Bizarro Land, um, but Jason Jordan really wasn't over with the live audience. I just feel that the WWE, with this storyline, we're not stupid. He's not going to be Kurt Angle's son. We know he's not because we would have heard this before. It would have come out. And I just think, just treat us like we're adults or young children. Even don't get it. So just treat us with the respect we would deserve. And just brush this one straight under the carpet well, like the, you have before. Well, I guess they... I mean, it's been it's so raw now. Uh, excuse the pun. But they... They they can't just brush this one under the carpet now. It's such a big uh, deal in in the normal world to discover that you have a son you didn't know about. Um, maybe in a few years' time, Jason Jordan could maybe shake off this gimmick and they can they can go back to him just being a normal wrestler with no. I think in a year's time, this has been brushed under the carpet. Yeah, well, this is something which theoretically should hang over Jason Jordan for the rest of his career. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would hang over any normal person for the rest of their life. So. Exactly. Yeah. But I suppose they do have a tendency to try and kind of make you forget what happened before if it didn't kind of work out how WWE wanted it to. So they might, if this doesn't work out, don't be surprised if it's not mentioned in a couple of years' time that, oh yeah, do you remember when Jason Jordan turned out to be Kurt Angle's son? That never happened. <laughs> but there's always a chance that um, Kurt's sort of return to WWE as GM doesn't doesn't last as long as we think. Uh, and they end up parting company, and then what do they do? Uh, if, if Kurt and WWE end up parting on bad terms again, are they going to just completely cut ties with the, the Kurt Angle storyline stop mentioning him we've seen it with the likes of CM Punk where they just do not mention him See, oh, we can't mention CM Punk <laughs> well the crowd do almost <laughs> every single week which thankfully has died down in the last couple of months I feel. Wait, wait till we get back to Chicago and it will still be there well yes. they were in Chicago in the last takeover I think and um, there was minimal which was surprising because I thought that was just going to be all that we hear especially during us. I, think, I was anticipating the Jinder and Randy Orton match just to be taken over. I think the over. Brooklyn crowd might bring it up. Potentially, I hope not, just because, just get over it. But uh, but anyway, Jason Jordan was it was actually in action. JJ. Um, <laughs> JJ, sorry. Getting this over, JJ. Um, he, terrible, terrible music again. But um, he comes down to the ring waiting for, obviously, Curtis, Curtis Axel to come out. But Curtis Axel's just been destroyed by Brock Lesnar. Uh, so we see him in the back being attended to. Uh, Kurt Angle coming up to him, uh, asking if he's allowed to, if he can compete. Doctor says no. Kurt has to find a replacement. Conveniently for Kurt. Conveniently. Hanging around backstage in his gear. Local jobber, Jean-Pierre Goulet, who... Well remembered, because I did not write that in my notes. <laughs> I just put jobber. 
Can I just say, by the way, Curtis Axel is a professional wrestler. He's been around for 10 years now. As we learned last week, yeah. 10 years. Um, and I know it's Brock Lesnar, but he just got two German suplexes and an F5 about 25 minutes beforehand. And he he couldn't compete in a match later on. So how does he ever get through a match if he can't take more than three bumps? Aiden, I think you're applying too much logic. Well, yeah. I think that's the problem. It's just, you know, I like my wrestling to be realistic. And I think if he had a thought, Curtis Axel, Curtis Axel might have won. Ooh. Really? Ooh. I don't think Jason Jordan's taking a loss anytime soon. No. Uh, he certainly didn't JJ. take. He didn't take a loss. Sorry, JJ <laughs> didn't take a loss in this match um, against local jobber. I say local. Canada is a huge place. Um, Which you're visiting soon. You I, can tell us about. I am. I yeah. I'm in. I'm in Canada in September. Um, not into Bizarro Land though. I'll be going to Calgary, home of the Hearts. Oh. Um, don't know why I made that noise. <laughs> but yeah, that's a story. That's another story for uh, for another time. Um, yeah. A squash match. Um, one point I did make, Jojo, just as much as um, Jean-Pierre Goulet happened to be in his gear and Kurt Angle happened to walk past him at that exact moment, Jojo just happened to know he was from Quebec City. Um, you know, maybe she's psychic. Maybe they're good friends. We never know. Maybe she's as close with him as she is with Bray. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> too much? Now, 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 now. Too soon, too soon. Um, I'm just jealous. <laughs> But um, booze for JJ throughout the match. Um, I think deserved. I just, I didn't think he looked good in this match. No. I, I don't know if it was the jobber that just didn't know how to take the falls, or if she, it just looked a lot like they were trying things that just didn't work. I don't know. I thought, I thought, I thought the match was okay, and for for what it was, it was a squash match to to sort of show off. What Jordan can do. Um, again, nothing special. I think you're right. This is, we weren't expecting a, a, a great match. Even if he had been facing Curtis Axel, I still wasn't expecting a particularly great match. Um, what do we think of the finisher, by the way? Netbreaker. I think it's good. I was worried about what he was going to use. Because, yeah. obviously, we've, we've never seen him do a singles finisher. He'd always do it with Chad Gable, uh, where they'd do the back suplex into like a bridge. Um, so I like that they've added that he's added the kind of net breaker element into it. Just coming back to the, um, we didn't think it was going to be a great match. Shouldn't they be booking him now, sort of like for a twenty-minute match to show him how good they are, how good he can be? But there's certainly something to be to be said for booking him how they've booked Chad Gable um, recently, um, especially with the AJ Styles match he had a few weeks back and the match against Rusev, Rusev last week. Yeah. Um, Kevin Owens and Kevin Owens a few weeks before that um, where he's just you know he's lost against much more established single stars but he's put in such a good show that just in his in-ring performances he's getting over with the crowd um, and Jason Jordan isn't and I don't think he's doing anything particularly wrong I just think the crowd just aren't aren't feeling it uh, maybe it didn't help that they were in Toronto this week, but um... no, I think they they kind of did set him up to fail this week in that he was already getting booed when he was on his way down to the ring. When Miz made a point of that last week. Yep, and, and he got booed in the promos, uh, the promo Miz's promo. So yeah, but so he was getting booed on the way to the ring when they thought he was facing Curtis Axel. Then they throw 
random local jobber in there. His name Ali? Jean-Pierre Goulet, or JPG as I like to call him. You can't nick my thing. Well, well, not my allowed, thing, but... You're allowed, I can do it. JJ? Well, getting back to my original point. Um, so to throw him in there with a random jobber, a local jobber who, um, as we mentioned before, the smart kind of crowd are going to get behind. I think they would. there was no way that Jason Jordan was going to benefit from this. I think what they could probably do was make him a really smug heel. Because he comes down to the ring, he's smiling, he's waving. If he did those things as a heel to really piss people off, that would get him some heat. Sorry for the language. <laughs> You're going to make us put an E next to our podcast name on iTunes now. By the way, we are on iTunes, so go subscribe. Um, but yeah, moving back to Jason Jordan. Um, part of me is thinking that... Is this done on purpose by WWE? If you think back to Kurt Angle's debut in 99, I believe it was, um, the character that he debuted was smug and arrogant, but expecting to be a babyface because of his uh, Olympic hero status. Uh, And I don't know if you've seen, I think you've both seen the Kurt Angle special on the network where Kurt says that Vince was the one who told him that um, you're going to be a heel. The crowd are going to hate you. And Kurt just wouldn't believe it. Uh, and, but Vince was right, entirely right. He was such a big heel in his first year in WWE uh, and, and, you know, skyrocketed from there. Um, but I just hope they don't go down the same path of him being undefeated. I mean, it, it. I don't mind someone being undefeated if it's not at the expense of someone more deserving. So I... I wouldn't mind Jason Jordan going undefeated if he was (laughs) if he was against the likes of Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel but say against The Miz for example I wouldn't want Jason Jordan going over you can still have him put in a good show mate but you know ultimately The Miz is a heel um, who who will do anything to win or or yeah win by count out or or whatever but um, interference for instance could, could defeat Jason Jordan so you know you keep him strong um but you don't do it at the expense of people who are more established and, and maybe people like The Miz who could do with a little bit of a push um, and probably are deserving. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with this. Um, I'm prepared to give it some time, but I feel like the crowd, especially the live crowds, aren't particularly prepared and have already made their mind up, you know, which is... which is. I'm there. with the crowd. <laughs> well, as you say, the, the podcast is... is it's for the people, so you know if the people don't like Jason Jordan or JJ, then uh, then you Let don't know. Then you don't too. <laughs> um, so moving on from Jason Jordan, then uh, we should mention that he he won that match. In case you didn't know, um, <laughs> Bailey. Um, obviously, we've mentioned her in the news at the start of the show. Um, terrible, terrible injury, separated shoulder. Must be really, really painful. Um, she was sent out to address the crowd in the ring with, is it Charlie? Charlie Caruso. Charlie Caruso. Bloody love Charlie Caruso. <laughs> Second swear word. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, I don't really understand why this had to take place in the ring. And in hindsight, probably wasn't the best idea considering the crowd reaction that Bailey got. Um, sort of somewhat awkward, I thought, this segment. Yeah, um... 
Yeah, my first note on this was, before they even started talking, was why they're doing this in the ring. I know recently they, they've loved doing their sit-down interviews backstage. They've done one with Bailey in the past. I see absolutely no reason why they couldn't have done this. This a, would have worked a lot better. Yeah, in a, in a pre-produced environment, I would it just would have benefited from that a lot more. I think Bailey looked very uncomfortable dealing with booze. And I don't think a baby face should be... She shouldn't be booed anyway, let's be honest. She's injured. It's not a very nice No, there was to... no reason for them to actually be booing her. She's yeah. legitimately injured. She's addressing the crowd, kind of saying what happened, how she felt. She was thanking people for sending her good messages and helping her get through the match. Well, she, and was, they were... she was trying to thank them. Yeah. She was trying the, to. The crowd, they the were, crowd weren't having it. They were booing her quite harshly, I thought. Yeah, it was harsh. I, I'm, I'm all for a good boo, let's be honest. If Roman Reigns comes on TV, I'm booing. <laughs> but it, it, for an injured competitor that she's just lost a SummerSlam main event for the women's title give us give her a little bit of a break and maybe WWE should have done it backstage and she'd have got that break yeah much like I guess what we've just said about Jason Jordan it, it did kind of feel like they'd set her up to fail this week uh, I'm sure it wasn't the intention but it did come across that way um, now Bailey. um is asked who she wants uh, to take her place and obviously she's going to say Sasha um, my thoughts on this actually do we think WWE cut Bailey off at this point because it, it would seem to be quite abrupt it, the question was who do you want to take your place she said Sasha and then all of a sudden Sasha was out it wasn't like she announced Sasha or well, said we, it in any way as we know Vince is backstage maybe he thought or oh, with done Bailey a disservice here yeah I think we'll that, just cut this off I don't know if it was like that but it certainly came across to me in that yeah, way yeah it certainly came across to me that they just Sasha Banks oh here she comes yeah um, but Sasha comes out uh, and next thing we know the, the, the triple threat match which was announced I believe earlier in the day there was going to be two triple threat matches on Raw to decide um, well to the winner of each one would face each other next week on Raw to decide who faces Alexa at SummerSlam um, Sasha was in this one against uh, Alicia Fox. Scraping and... the barrel with Alicia Fox, I believe. <laughs> and Emma. I mean, well, if you in... they kind of made a rod for their own bat by announcing two triple threat matches on the same show for women who. I've... My notes here just say before this even starts, Sasha wins, hands down. There's no way I was thinking at home anyone else was winning this match. No. Did anyone else completely forget that Alicia Fox <laughs> was on Raw or as a competitor? Because during the day, I was trying to think of six other women other than Bailey and Alexa yeah so I mean I had eight women which is I, quite a lot I mean I had um, Dana Brooke and Mickey James down but I had you're right I'd completely forgotten about Alicia Fox this this is what I'm going to get to why have we never seen a woman jobber um Lana <laughs> <laughs> technically <Yeah>. she's talent <laughs> Christy Hemi was a bit no, I, I see what you mean, like a local woman job. Yeah. I think there has been against there Nia Jax. Yeah, Nia Jax had an eight a bunch last year. This would have been like sort of not doing Fox any favours here, but putting a jobber in this match maybe would have been. No, I, I think if it, it's, it's an important match. It's to get into a number one contenders match, so it wouldn't make sense for them just to give a job of that opportunity. I would rather maybe then just do, if they only had five, do a one-on-one and then a triple threat or one five-way match or something. It just 
I think having a jobber in there wouldn't be fair to the ones who were there. Yeah, but we we all knew that Sasha Banks was winning this match. Yeah, I think it was fairly fairly evident. However, having said that, there was that one point in this match where it genuinely looked like Emma had won. Um, yeah, a bit sloppy. I mean, at times this match was pretty sloppy. That the chemistry just wasn't there between all three of them. Yeah, it didn't um, look like they've ever worked together. No, um, and you know, Emma was it Sasha did the double knees on Alicia Fox in the corner. Emma um, chucks her out. The chucks ring. Sasha out the ring, gets the the pin on on Alicia, who just didn't kick out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just kind of rolled over. Roll, yeah, she just, just rolled out the pin. I don't even know if it was in time or not. Um, but the crowd genuinely were quite hot for Emma, I thought, at that point. There's been quite a lot of traction online, actually, for both Give Emma, Emma, a chance, yeah. Emma and Emma Dana, Dana Brooke. Brooke. Um, out of the two of those, I'd much rather see Emma give him more of a chance. Um, Apparently Vince is high on Dana Brooke, though. I wonder I, why. I just, I don't see I'll it. bite my tongue at this point. <laughs> is it because Vince McMahon loves big sweaty women? He apparently does. He went there. <laughs> I was not going to go there. But Ali, the host, went there. You know. We'll cut that bit out, maybe. There goes our partnership deal with WWE. <laughs> WWE our, will not touch us now. Our imminent partnership deal with WWE, who are doing a fantastic job of replying to my emails, by the way. <laughs> Why are we digging out the WWE? Yeah, Ali cutting a promo on WWE. <laughs> Shooting. Vince, I'm sorry. I, I would really like to work with you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, moving um, swiftly on. Moving swiftly on from that. Uh, sorry, I just, I just say, had a bit of a hill moment. <laughs> can I just say, by the way, um, I can't believe we haven't mentioned Alexa Bliss so far. Uh, yeah, you're right. My mistake. Um, Alexa on commentary. One point I would make. I love Corey's reaction to when Alexa comes out. He gets, he gets so, so genuinely excited. excited to see Alexa. Um, I don't know if it was this week or last because Alexa was on commentary last week as well. Was she not? Uh, no. Was she not? Oh, it's been recently, but there was a picture going around of Booker T uh, admiring, we should say, the, the goddess. He was looking at her ass. <laughs> well, I just loved, like you say, Corey's reaction. She comes out, uh, she's walking towards the table. Corey kind of nudges Cole and goes, is, is my collar straight? Like, <laughs> He's like, yes, your collar's fine. I just love, because that's exactly how I would be. <laughs> yeah, we all know of your... Uh... Of your love for Alexa, Alexa Bliss, Aiden. Um, oh, I love Alexa. If Alexa Bliss and Renee Young were over in the same room, <laughs> I would probably have a heart attack and die and not even get to experience it. And that would are be a shame. Are we going to go back onto facials? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the tone of the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry this week. It's something in the air. And for any ladies listening, we're really sorry. <laughs> uh, we're not sexist pigs. No. Mostly. Um, so yeah, getting back to the action, Aiden. You know, he took us off course there. Um, Alexa on commentary, as you say, I think she does quite a good job on commentary. By the way, um, she didn't really say much. No. Um, but yeah, crowd were hot for Emma. Ultimately, though, Sasha picks up the win, which we we fully expected. Um, the match I thought was a bit sloppy, but you know, hey ho, the big match next week is Sasha against her her opponent, who we saw later in the night. Um, we'll come on to that. Um, but any surprises? No, none for me. The surprise was how close Emma came to winning, and after that, I genuinely, I thought she was meant to win at that point, and then after that, they were trying to find a way to get a finish to that match for Emma to win, and then she was the one who ended up tapping out, which was a bit of a bit of a shame for her. Yeah, as I've had actually, to be fair, I've 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 kind of canned this match and said that it was it was sloppy, but I thought the 
the ending was quite good and the, the reversal by Sasha for the bank statement on him was was pretty good. Um, should I don't think it ever should have taken the loss. I thought it should have been no, Alicia Fox. It should have been Alicia Fox. Well, I mean, it really depends on what WWE plan plan to do with her. I mean, if they are giving her some sort of push, then yeah, Alicia Fox should have been the one to tap. But could I just it, don't think they will. Could it have been a way just to kind of not necessarily punish, but maybe like a slap on the wrist because she has been so quite outspoken on social media lately. She has been. I don't. What I quite liked um, with Emma with Emma was her. You know, she said it either last week or a couple of weeks ago about to Kurt Angle the way that she was going to get more opportunities was to start dating uh, JJ. JJ. Uh, um, and she's carried that on online with pictures of the two action figures of her and Jason Jordan uh, with like heart emojis and things like that. I personally think that would be a good storyline to put Emma in. But you know, heel Emma, um, sort of trying to get close to a, a face Jordan. Um, with Kurt Angle maybe being the, the disapproving father. Yeah, JJ um, getting distracted. Exactly. And maybe, and maybe yeah. starting, taking his eye off the ball. Starting to, lose, starting to lose a few matches. Kurt saying you're, you're worth more than that. You can't let women get in the way of your, your reign. You run to the top or whatever. JJ saying you can't tell me what to do, Dad. I'm like 30 now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's and cool. that could eventually, yeah. eventually lead to a Jason Jordan heel turn on Kurt Angle. Or an Emma betrayal of Jason Jordan, making With Jason get some sympathy get for Jordan, sympathy. which he's not getting now. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that could work well for both of them. Um, maybe, I hope it's something they explore. They probably won't. Um, if you probably WWE. Won't, we probably won't see Emma for the next two months. Well, I mean, if they can't be bothered to respond to my emails, then they're not going to listen to the show, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry again, Vince. Um, so. Yeah, Sasha wins as expected. The next, the next segment, we get we get a quick sort of backstage promo from Braun Strowman. I loved this promo. It was so it was very straightforward um, and very clear and concise. Braun Strowman just really enjoys beating up Roman Reigns. Who wouldn't? It was very well delivered. His yeah, his delivery is good on his promo. What I did find a bit odd was that as soon as Renee had finished asking a question, he looked up and stared in one spot. Um, you know, he was in the distance. It wasn't the only one to have done that um, over the course of the two shows. There wasn't much to be said for this promo, to be fair. Braun delivered it fairly well. Um, basically, just emphasised that he, he loves beating up Roman Reigns. Said that Roman Reigns' yard is Braun Strowman's playground, which I thought was a, a fairly good line. Um, but yeah, just just sort of a bit of a, a hype job for the for the main event, which was the last man standing match with Roman. We should we should point out. Um, which actually was a main event this week. It was the actual main, main event, event. Uh, which was good to see. Um, Enzo Amore um, comes out. He doesn't oh. really cut much of a promo this week, which was in, was was refreshing to see. He sort of just gets straight into the point of introducing Big Show. So it seems as though what I like to call End Show are now a team. Uh, thank you very thank I'm, you very much. I'm annoyed I didn't think of that first. <laughs> Um, not as good as JJ, but I think you'll find it's better. <laughs> um, it seems that we're going down this route. I I kind of feared this would be what would happen with with Enzo. They would just replace Cass with Big Show. Well, I've heard a few rumors. And this can't be true. The rumor I've heard is at SummerSlam, Enzo will turn on the Big Show, and then be Cass's manager. I can't see that happening. No, because currently the only reason for Cass being a heel is how much he hates Enzo, really. 
Um, and now Big Show. And yeah, and now Big Show. Anyone associated with Enzo? Um, so it wouldn't make much sense. Like, what what's the reason for Enzo going back to the person who's been beating him up for the last four weeks and has betrayed him after however many years of friendship? Yeah, I think I'd, I don't see that one happening. Um, It'd be too soon as well, if enough, if even if that was to ever happen. Yeah, there's not enough water under the bridge for that one. I don't think for that for that to happen. Under the Brooklyn Bridge. Nice. Um, there is a bridge in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> there is a there is a bridge Brooklyn. that connects Brooklyn to New York City. You're right. Well, and Manhattan. It's called the Brooklyn say. Bridge. Well um, done. Thanks. I've done my research, <laughs> but not that much. <laughs> if you have to ask, you've not done your research. <laughs> uh, Gallows and Anderson uh, come out and challenge Ensho uh, to a match. One point, one bit annoys me about Gallows and Anderson. No, wait, wait, is it nerds? It is nerds. I See, love that. Really? Yes. It seems to be mildly over, which just really annoys me because it's because now they're going to run with it. it they're going to. They're going to. Excitement in my voice as I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to you know, run with that all the way now with Enzo with uh, Gallows and Anderson. Um, that will be their gimmick. And I at just, least they're I don't not want... testicle doctors anymore. Well, but, yeah. Sorry about this language, guys. I mean, we're it's a it's a body part. <laughs> the testicles. Testicles. All right, bollocks. Fucking hell, we can't say that. We can't say fucking bollocks. I'm gonna leave that in. <laughs> bollocks. One thing that annoys me about Gallows and Anderson, um, and I'm, I imagine WWE gonna gonna take this to the hill. Nerd seems to be mildly over, which is pretty annoying. Uh, Aiden, you don't seem to think that's a bad thing. No, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, not not saying it should particularly become their gimmick or anything. It's just a catchphrase, and we all know how much they love a catchphrase. It's what they can make merchandise out of. I mean, I don't know if they're going to make a shirt just saying nerd on it or something. but Or bring back the sweet. The too sweet. No, the sweets. Nerds. Oh, the sweets. Ah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I was just wondering oh, very clear okay. there. But nerds, yeah. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, I topical loved Topical reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing like an up-to-date topical reference. Were from... you even born when nerds were out? I was. I'm not that young. Well, you are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a match was made. Uh, Anderson Gallows versus Enzo Amore and Big Show. Um, Gallows and Anderson get the upper hand. Uh, Double-teaming on Enzo. Guessing they were in this because of the injury to Revival... It kind of seems like they were probably just chucked in. Yeah. They didn't have anything else to do. I didn't see the Hardy no, Boys. I was going to say, who didn't we see this week? The Hardy Boys. Um, which is, I've heard is apparently due to um, Jeff's troubles in the past um, relating to some substances and stuff that he's been um, caught for by Canadian police where he's not allowed in the country. Oh, well, that would make oh, sense. Yeah, that would they make sense. They weren't on any house shows in the week either, um, all the way throughout Canada. Uh, you have done your research. I have. <laughs> um, so yeah, Big Cass comes out partway through the match. Um, gets the interference, I think. It distracts Big Show. Um, Enzo, Enzo double-teamed by Gallows and Anderson, takes the, the pin. Um, yeah, afterwards Cass, Cass attacks the Big Show, sort of chases Enzo around the ring, kind of... I think we all kind of saw what was going to happen with it when Enzo started leading him around the ring. Uh, Big Show 
someone who's seven foot tall managed to to pop up and surprise <laughs> Cass with a with a knockout I think punch. Cass was the only one surprised <laughs> yeah. at that. However, thinking too logical. <laughs> having said that, uh, last week or whenever Big Show hits Cass with a KO punch or anyone with a KO punch, it generally looks pretty bad. This week. Very it looked genuinely like looked pretty hard. I was surprised Cass got back up from that one. Uh, I don't know whether his cell job was was over the top or what, but I, part of me thinks that maybe Big Show connected a bit more than he should have done with that punch. Um, it looked, especially in slow mo. Big Show did seem especially uh, especially hyped and pleased with himself after that. I don't know if it was in character or just him thinking. Oh, I actually connected quite well there. Yeah. That was that was a pretty good one. <laughs> and did we ever think we'd see Big Show doing that weird Enzo shuffle dance thing? N- no. Did we ever want to see it? <laughs> no. No. Yeah, think no, we... no, no. Did we um, deserve to see it? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> one thing we we do deserve to see is more of Bray Wyatt in the ring. Smooth. Um, which we we kind of got this week actual physical involvement from Bray which we haven't seen for a lot since his rivalry with Seth I think maybe his, his match with Seth after uh, after the pay-per-view um, Great Balls of Fire that's the one yeah I, what I just want to say from this is um, so far like Finn cut a good promo I quite liked it he seemed he got to the point it wasn't long it seemed quite intense Bray comes out uh, and it was different to how it usually was. So he comes out, and Finn's already anticipated it, and he's sitting on the top yeah, rope. Yeah, nobody's done this before, have they? No. Nobody's. No, Finn in in a in a Bray Wyatt rivalry, it's always he has the mind games beforehand. He has the upper hand, but this time, which I think has been good for Bray, Finn has had the upper hand so far. He's been kind of one step ahead of Bray. Which makes me wonder. Is Bray going over in this feud at SummerSlam? We've seen the match was announced later on in the night uh, that this match is going to happen in, in New York, uh, or in Brooklyn, sorry. Um, yeah, what, what do we think? Bray, Bray versus Finn, who's winning? Who's going over in this feud? Or is SummerSlam just the start of this feud? Is it going further? Yeah, I can't imagine it being a one and done. Mm. I would imagine it's going to draw out a bit longer. That would probably typically happen if the heel wins the first one. Um but it's quite hard to call if they bring back the demon. I can't see Finn losing. Yeah, I can't see Finn losing if they're going to bring out the demon. But are they going to bring it out? Or are they well, going to, yeah. are they going to no... keep this dragging till? I was going to say, they haven't really... There hasn't been a reason for Finn to, to bring the demon out. Unless something happens in the next couple of weeks where Bray gets the upper hand uh, severely, that demon that Finn has to resort to. Um, but I mean, I'd love to see out. a promo with Bray Wyatt in the ring. And then all you see is the demon crawling down the ramp. I, that I mean, that physically and visually would look amazing. Yeah, I'd love to see the demon come back. But seeing as they, I don't think they've even once referenced it since he's been back. No. Um, it does make me think: does is that what Vince wants? Does he does he care about the demon gimmick? Or is it a bit too much for him? But well, they, they never mentioned it before. Like when he used to go to Demon, there was not a lot of mention of it before and then it would then just happen i don't know i think it was because there was a whole story of when before last SummerSlam, where seth was trying to bring out the demon in yeah i think that was the first time we were going to see it on the main roster they had to sort of they couldn't have just gone with it and not explained it 
Yeah, I would like to see it, but I'm I'm a little bit worried that maybe they have lost faith in it, which would be a shame because it's such a cool something something very different um, and something that they could tap into every now and then, like rarely. Like imagine a demon entrance on a WrestleMania stage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got me excited just thinking about it. But then again, if it ramps like it is this year, that would take a long time <laughs> to come down. I wouldn't want to be crawling down that ramp. <laughs> yeah. Just get them on a skateboard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Finn gets the upper hand in this one um, before Bray disappears. Um, usual Bray, Bray Wyatt mind games. And then uh, he went back on the Titan. Back on the <laughs> we got the, the best of both worlds this week with Bray in the ring and then on the Titan Tron. Uh, but you know, we're, we're probably used to seeing that now. So we're, we're, you know, I'm still quite looking forward to this match. I think it'll be a really good match at SummerSlam. I think both both competitors will bring the best out of each other. Yeah. Um, so Cesaro versus Dean Ambrose next up on, on Raw. Uh, a match I thought probably match of the night. Uh, toss up between this and the main event, obviously. Um, first first port, port of call for this one, Cesaro's entrance. Uh, obviously missed his cue or something, but he had to proper run or jump out of the, the backstage area to, to catch up with his James Bond lights on the on the LED screens uh, and then proceeded to act all cool and, and suave as he walked across uh, something that Corey Graves found really funny um, which I thought was unusual they wouldn't perhaps usually mention that for a heel especially um, but yeah Corey, Corey had a laugh with that one um, so Cesaro comes out with Sheamus obviously by his side great reception for Dean Ambrose from the loud cr- from the live crowd he always gets them yep he always does he's always over with the, with the live crowd um, first note on, on once this match had actually kicked off was the commentary um We've spoken about it before, and we'll probably talk about this every week until he's he's gone. But Booker T, just just all over the place. Well, at the end, I've got a comment at the end that he made, and we'll get to that at the end. Right. Um. But yeah, for me, it was a little bit off-putting. This this commentary, all three commentators going back and forth with Booker T basically rambling. And saying nonsensical thing after nonsensical thing. They were kind of bickering a lot, which it was, it was took bickering. away from the match. And Michael Cole kept having to grab him and Graves back on well, track. Well, I don't know if the commentary maybe got me a little bit because I put a note that this match went too long. It was it a, was very a long, long match. match. Yeah, um, it was, certainly was. I don't think it went too long because I really enjoyed the the match I itself. Thought, no, I thought it was a good match. I just think it did go a little bit. You know, when you're just expecting it, right, you need a finish here. And then it went to another break, and I was a bit like, oh. It was a good match, um, and it was a long match, but I didn't think it had that many like false finishes. No, it Normally didn't. with a long match, we'll have all these finishes or big moves and there'll be false finishes, but there wasn't that many. But what I, what, one of the I don't think I we had, actually saw a finisher in this match. No. No, that's a good point, actually. There wasn't a single finisher. Yeah. But one of the notes I did have from this match was that it just seeing this match made me really want to see... Seth Rollins versus Cesaro. Yeah, agreed. Just because, like, yeah, Dean Ambrose is good, but I think he just has his limitations. All his matches kind of feel the same. So, if it is to happen next week, I'm very much looking forward to Seth versus Cesaro at any point. Um, yeah, um, Cesaro really looked impressive, as you say. Probably really more, much more at home with this heel gimmick. He can um, be more aggressive. Yeah, Ambrose. We've said he 
got a great reaction from the crowd and he did what he came out but he was getting the uh the Cena treatment from the crowd let's go Ambrose Ambrose sucks yeah uh, I don't think I've seen that with Dean Ambrose no um which... I do think before this storyline he was getting a bit stagnant yeah agreed um, I feel like this storyline with Seth and, and Cesaro and Sheamus has kind of revived his character. I'm certainly more excited to see him each week than I was I before. You take him more serious because yeah. he's not just laughing. He's not goofing around today. anymore. He's not which... goofing around. He's and he serious. hasn't done for since Great Balls of Fire, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Ambrose. Let's go, Ambrose. Ambrose sucks. Chance were, were were evident. I'm assuming now people will pick up on that. We'll get that every week. Um, or is it just because we were in Bizarre may, maybe it was uh, I thought it was a really great baby face performance from Dean it was him fighting back through like a lower back injury he's always on the on the come up and Seth Rollins uh, Rollin Cesaro cuts him down all the time it was good um, and at one point I thought Cesaro was genuinely going to kill Dean Ambrose by suplexing him out of the ring onto the ground <laughs> And um, also some of Cesaro's uppercuts, his running uppercuts, yes. were just brutal. Um, so uh, Dean actually picks up the win in this match. Um, again, I kind of expected it given that uh, Sheamus had beaten Seth earlier in the night. Um, the An attack after the match obviously follows. So this was the bit where I think Booker was trying to compare him to Sharks and then said... It's Shark Week, isn't it? Which was two, three weeks ago now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, another useless... Gem from Booker gem, T. Gem of information. Little nugget of information from Booker T, which nobody needed. Um, also, it was wrong. <coughs> we coming for you, Nugget. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to say that. Leave that in. <laughs> um, oh, Sorry. Okay. Um... So yeah, the attack uh, was obviously coming. Seth does make the save this time. Uh, Dean didn't make the save earlier. Seth makes the save. Um, so this music played, uh, which I know is a gripe for you usually, Aiden, when um, someone's music plays when they're making a surprise entrance because it just doesn't seem logical. Yeah, well, that bit frustrated me. But what frustrated me more was earlier in the night, Seth Rollins had said, I'm done. I've done all I can do to get you to trust me. I'm I'm finished with it. And then he comes out and then saves him later on. I guess the logic could be he was just trying to get revenge on Cesaro and Sheamus. Yeah. Um, but it just seems a little bit odd to say, no, I'm done, don't care anymore, do it yourself, and then come out an hour later. So probably, yeah, I'm probably lending more into the, the whole Bizarro land thing. Um, we've mentioned the crowd with the great reception for Dean when he comes out, then the Cena treatment throughout the match, and then Seth comes down, uh, and the crowd are going absolutely mental for these two yeah. to make amends. That's what made it feel like a real special moment, and it was a good visual as the camera pans out, everyone's doing the yes chance, hoping that they're going to get back together, and you could see Ambrose acted it very well, which is what I think he's done over the course of this storyline. He has. Is so... that he was toying with his emotions. He was, should I, shouldn't I? You could see him. He was frustrated. He was just, oh, and then eventually he lets go and does it. And the crowd goes nuts. Yeah, the crowd. Puts the fist out. Yeah, and then Seth doesn't reply. <laughs> Seth walked away. <laughs> Seth walked away, <laughs> yeah. which confused the hell out of me. Um, didn't see that coming I at didn't all. see it coming. I thought we would get that reconciliation. 
But I'm quite glad we didn't because we have now have another week of intrigue where it's a will they, won't they, um, yeah. sort of get back now together. what happens? Are you meant to boo Seth? Are you cheering Seth? Could, could this go the whole way to SummerSlam, through SummerSlam, and then it happen after SummerSlam? I think that Dean and Seth will, will face Cesaro and Sheamus at SummerSlam for the tag team titles whilst not really having reconciled and will will win they'll stumble across the they'll, championship they'll stumble across a win they'll get they'll they'll win the titles um and i think from then on um they'll defend the titles against Cesaro and Sheamus but at some point one of them is going to turn heel which will cost them the championship and then we'll go into a rivalry between the two you know i think there there's two there's two ways that could be done um, either they reconcile, be it for good or for the night, um, but they don't win at SummerSlam, and then someone attacks someone at SummerSlam. So you get the reconciliation for the night, and then there's a turn. If you're not going to do it then, I think you'll have to do the turn way down the line. I don't think this could be like a one or two month thing. I think you're probably going to need to drag it out towards the New Year Royal Rumble WrestleMania kind of time. I've got a feeling, I've just had this in my head, and it's a horrible thought. They're going to have the tag team titles, Seth and Dean, on the Raw after SummerSlam. And Roman Reigns is going to have the Universal Belt. We're going to see all three of them in the ring with all three belts. And that's something I don't want to see. Why? I don't want to see Roman Reigns with the Universal Belt. You know this. <laughs> I just thought the, the listeners might like to know. Oh, well, sorry. Yes, I don't want to see Roman Reigns with the Universal title. Would you be against uh, Seth and Dean winning the tag titles? I wouldn't be against that, no. Alex? No, I, I certainly wouldn't be against it. I think it's worked pretty well in the past. Um, with the it literally of, worked for Cesaro and Sheamus. It worked, well, well, yeah, exactly. It worked for them going further back. It worked for uh, Austin and Michaels when they won the tag team titles and they didn't even like each other. Uh, Austin and, and Triple Foley. H and Austin as well? Well, they were sort of a... They were the two-man power trip at that point. Yeah, we, we've seen a bunch of times. Rock and Sock. Rock and Sock, yeah. Um, well, so sock. There's, there's definitely precedent for it. Uh, I wouldn't be against it at all, I think. Dean and Seth. It's always an interesting story to see whether these two people can coexist, and then they've got the titles now. They have to, so yeah, and then they don't, Team and, then, hell no. and then it implodes, and then and it goes wrong, and then we go further from there. I think it's probably probably a good way to go. Remains to be seen whether they'll they'll go for it. Um, Two hundred five live. Well, the, so the cruiser waits anyway. Um, for me, this was a pointless rematch on a Raw show. Should they not have had this this as the number one contenders match on the main show of WWE? I suppose they were just trying to, with it being the number one contenders match on 205 Live, that's how you try and build intrigue and viewership. Yeah, well, what disappointed me, this was, as you say, a rematch. And we've seen Davari do really, really well in recent weeks and be really vicious. And, and, and if, did he even beat Tozawa? He beat Tozawa recently, didn't he? He's attacked him a bunch. I don't know if he's beat him in a match. Uh, well, maybe even I'm in a tag match. For me, yeah. I'm just I'm not even interested in the cruiserweights. But now, all this match did for me was was destroy Davari's momentum, 
Like I have, I don't really particularly care much for Aria Davari. I don't dislike. He's actually pretty good in the ring, and he looked quite vicious. And but Tazawa, who's previously struggled against him, just pretty much dominated him in this match. Yeah, what, what did annoy me was that the whole story from last week and from Tuesday was, uh, or 205 Live, was that he had a bad shoulder, Tozawa. Um, and now it was healed. Couldn't, like, yeah, like, could he even compete in the match? His shoulder was so hurt. And now he's got that match out of the way. My shoulder's fine. Well, there was there was um, a storyline reason for that. I can't remember exactly the, the term used, but um, Titus had, had bought some sort of, healing chamber invested uh, in Tozawa in, in that way and that was the explanation because Titus was on commentary this week as well wasn't he uh, and explained that um, which uh, I just feel that this is a this is a if you're watching it on TV this is the point where you just go oh fast forward <laughs> has anyone noticed the lack of Neville since since his first match with Tozawa well he hasn't wrestled but he was backstage he with Tozawa and Titus and Apollo Crews but he's, he's we, not been very present but we Mentioned this last week. Why can't they face <laughs> other other talent on the roster? Yeah, God knows. Not other cruiserweights, other talent. I mean, that would be a great way for like, people like Enzo. I know that they're pushing him maybe to go to two hundred five live, but like people like that and Jason Jordan, they could be the people that they're facing and have really good 10, 15 minute matches with these people. But there isn't much time on a three-hour show to uh, to get those matches in, Matt. Oh. <laughs> it's not like they have their own dedicated show for the crew. Oh, no, hang on, they do. They could probably put those matches on. Never mind. Um, yeah, one note I do have is I'm actually, I am more invested in Akira Tozawa now that he's with Titus O'Neil, uh, Titus Worldwide. Um, who oh, else well, do we think could use that kind of rub from Titus? Um... <laughs> Sorry, rub, Titus. Who else do we think could use that kind of rub from Titus? <laughs> Why would you say rub from Titus? That's what, that's what he means. <laughs> that's the but it sounds like he's rubbing them off. All right. Who else? Yeah, who else could benefit? Who else could benefit from from uh, a joint venture with Titus? Jason Jordan. Emma. Yeah, they should get a woman in. If he wants to be worldwide, he's already got his international client, Tazawa. He's already got Apollo Crews, who doesn't seem to wrestle much anymore. <laughs> yeah, they've sort of... I think Braun Strowman might have uh, kicked more out of him than we thought. And yeah, I suppose um, having a woman in there could could do him wonders. Yeah. Dana Brooke, maybe? Potentially. it was. It's probably, it would have to be a face. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. And, and Sasha doesn't. Sasha, Sasha doesn't need it. Dana. Although Sasha would probably fit in with that gimmick. She's probably she's too too much of a a, a character for that. Yeah, yeah she's, she's way too that. Much I would see that as kind of a, yeah. not a demotion, but it would definitely be a step down would, for her. I think she doesn't need a mouthpiece no. like Titus because she can talk fine. Okay. Speaking of the um, the women, then going further into the second triple nice threat sedge. triple threat match of the evening. Um, Nia Jax, Mickey James, and Dana Brooke. Again, my notes say, if Nia doesn't win, something is wrong. Well, again, much like the the previous one, this was fairly obvious who was going to win this match. This was a bit more one sided, in that Nia pretty much it was essentially a squash handicap match. It was a beatdown. Um, Nia picks up the win. No more needs to be said about that one. Um, who's winning next week? Sasha. Yeah, Sasha Banks. 
I actually would like to see Nia win. I have a sneaky feeling Nia's winning this match. I do. We have already seen Sasha beat Nia in the Gauntlet match, so I do wonder how they would do it again. Yeah. Um, but they've already got more of a, a ready-made story with Alexa. Um, it just feels more natural. And with it only being two weeks until SummerSlam, I think they would need more time to build the Nia story, seeing as they're friends. There's have to be some kind of turn. On a side note, do we think that they are they have rushed SummerSlam? Like it seems like like back when we didn't have the separate pay per views, they would push a lot more storylines. They would go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, we're getting down to like two weeks before, and we're pushing stuff through. Yeah, so I think that's probably a, a symptom of the increased amount of pay per views we're seeing. Um, throughout the you know, like there's one every other week now, <laughs> uh, so they obviously have to build storylines for each pay per view. And, and if you're not gonna, if you don't want to rehash each match, each pay per view, you have to kind of cut storylines off somewhere. And you're, yeah, you're probably right. You have to have some kind of fallout from the previous pay per view while simultaneously building for the new one, which I guess can be quite difficult, yeah. Um, but just going back to your points, Aiden, about Sasha winning the match. Uh, against Nia Jax next week for the very reasons that you've listed that there's already a story in place also that it, it'll be in Brooklyn and that's a, that's a partial Sasha Banks crowd those are the very reasons why I believe that she won't be winning the match because <laughs> it makes too much sense yeah too logical for WWE although you would, would, would then beg the question you can't really have a SummerSlam card without Sasha Banks on it in any way so you know, maybe she will. We don't know. Uh, or then it might be some sort of weird finish which results in a, in a triple threat. Yeah, maybe it definitely could. Potentially. Alexa might do the whole, if I interfere, then neither of them have to face me. And then Kurt Angle will be like, yeah. no, you have to face both of them because we haven't seen that before. No, I don't believe we have, no. Um, so, one thing we have certainly seen before, but not for a long time, gold dust. Uh, really? Are we really going to even... We're going Goldust. No, we just skip this bit. No, <laughs> well, we are just going to skip this bit. Okay, Goldust promo, but all I'm saying is... What do we think he was talking about? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about Goldust. I don't care about potentially our truth again coming back. Let's just skip this bit. Let's move on. Fair enough. We'll move on to um, Big Cass confronting Kurt Angle backstage. Um, it says he wants a match with Big Show at SummerSlam. Um, I thought we already had this match before he <laughs> even went there. It was a little bit weird, and that Cass said he wanted Enzo locked up, he wanted him put in a cage above the ring, and then Kurt was like, you know what, I've got a great idea. Enzo will be locked in a cage and above the ring. takes complete credit for yeah. Cass's idea. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've got an idea. Let's put him up there in the shark yeah. cage. Didn't we just see this? Well, he saw this with Jericho, didn't Does we? Yeah. Does anyone yeah. else find this quite weird that the baby face is locked in the yeah, cage? Yeah, this doesn't sit well with me. I don't no, think I a baby case... It. I've never seen it one where a baby face is locked in a cage. And I don't think they should be because that's a heel thing. It's to, to keep the interfering heel out of the match. Yeah, exactly. And I get that Enzo's been interfering in his matches, but Enzo's not a legitimate threat to and cast by the looks of could Enzo not just steal the limelight being in that cage I mean he's got dancing above the ring yeah Yeah. don't give him a microphone in the cage please and is he not just going to be over with the crowd the Brooklyn crowd they're going to they're going to be over with him though well you know remains to be seen 
And I can just I can just see it now. It's just gonna be oh, Enzo Amore. I suppose that could be part of the story, and that that gets on Cass's nerves. Yeah. Um. But then I think we kind of really want to see maybe Cass moving on from this this feud quite soon. Yeah, I'm not sure where he's gonna go next, but hopefully there's uh, this is kind of like a one and done with Big Show, and it's a a passing of the torch. Okay. Um. So main event time on Raw. Um, I was quite I was looking forward to this main event before and it didn't really disappoint. Um a last man standing match between Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns is main is pay per view quality. Uh, something we've seen recently with SmackDown as well with Cena and Nakamura and AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. Um but the match didn't disappoint. I thought the pace was a bit slow, which it generally is with these two. Um but really hard hitting. I just and, uh, they probably can't go Full on for Full that. Full tilt long, for that, yeah. yeah. I did, I did notice Roman, I don't know if it was, again, doing a good job at selling, but he did, the very first thing that happened in the match was, I think Braun threw Roman into the barricade outside the ring. Uh, and Roman immediately grabbed his left hip or upper, upper thigh. Uh, and he did that throughout the whole match and he was visibly limping at the end. So I don't know if that was a, a genuine injury or not. But if, if it wasn't, kudos to Roman for the sell job, but. Uh, it looked as though he was in pain from that. Yeah, um, it's something that Reigns doesn't get enough credit for, I think, actually. He's um he's very good at taking a beating um, for when he's had to do it before from the likes of Lesnar um, and especially uh, Braun Strowman recently. He's very good at being beaten down, looking like he's genuinely in a lot of trouble uh, and then managing to come back somehow. And, yeah, come back in this match he did. Um We've got to get onto it. That chair shot. That, oh my God, chair <laughs> now, shot. We're used to seeing chair shots with steel folding chairs. Over, well, not over the head anymore, but up to the back or to the stomach or whatever. Uh, but never, I don't think, have we seen someone throw a, a swivel office chair from such a distance in someone's face. It was just brutal. The crowd it gen- loved it. It generally looked like it knocked Roman Reigns out. <laughs> it took me by surprise because, like you said, we've never seen this before. And he just threw it so hard. Yeah. And I loved Michael Cole's reaction. It's like he's seen a lot of things we've in his 20 seen years of commentating. Before. But he literally, he looks, he sounded so surprised by that. Yeah. And the crowd was shocked as well, which was good. Because they've, they they've had quite a few of these types of matches, both of these two. And so I was kind of thinking, maybe we've seen everything they've got to offer. Yeah, and like you were expecting, oh, he's probably going to spear him through the barricade or something. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, <laughs> a re- an actual office chair <laughs> comes flying at Roman's face. So sometimes when, when they show the slow-mo, it's a little bit like, oh, that doesn't look great. But this looked <laughs> absolutely amazing it was spot in slow-mo. It was spot on. Um, so the match carries on out through the crowd, round to the entranceway. Just... Just a side note, I love Braun Strowman's drop kicks. Yeah, they're, they're they impressive. They look like they genuinely hurt. With a drop kick, with yeah. With a drop kick. Yeah. Um, the match continues out through the crowd up to the entrance way. Um, eventually, I think Roman knocks Braun back towards the ring down the ramp. And then the spear from all the way up the top of the ramp was really impressive. I thought Roman did a really good job with that one. What I liked about this spear was... He tried to do one. He set it up with his whole ooh-ah. He gets kicked in the face. Braun Strowman kind of Did goes really back down the ramp. Did really need to hear that ooh-ah six, seven times? <laughs> no, but what I did like was that he didn't do it this time. He literally just got up, got, got angry, it. and just full, full 
forced straight right. up. And I think the fans would be more for him doing that. There'd be less heat if, on yeah, him. If he was less comic book. Yeah. Yes. With the whole ooh stuff and the cocking his fist before the Superman punch. Yeah. Um, uh, as one thing that the crowd have got on Roman's back for is the amount, you know, the amount he wins. Um, but he didn't win this one. Uh, Samoa Joe from nowhere <laughs> literally well, we threw the crowd. the Samoan drop through the table? That table got destroyed. I mean, you know, we've seen, we, we've seen a lot from them. Uh, it's kind of easy to forget that. They all merge into one. But yeah, impressive, impressive spot. But Samoa Joe gets the, with the interference from, through the crowd, blocks the uh, Kikina clutch on, on Roman, um, which uh, Roman doesn't manage to escape from, so passes out um, and ultimately loses the match. One point, one thing I have picked up on was the referees stopped counting. Stop Even though Braun was down from the spear... I think it was the spear. Um, he stopped counting when Joe came out. Braun was down for a good two minutes. Uh, but somehow the, the ref continues his count after Roman's down. And we all, we see Braun. Braun win the match. Uh, which I wasn't against. But I just thought it was a little bit of a, a, a plot hole. Um, so I know that... Um, I know that it's easy to say with... In retrospect. But I did wonder whether Joe would come out when they were at the top of the stage yeah. and Roman was going for the, like, the first spear just because I thought, my initial thought, like we said last week, was why was this match happening? Because if there was going to be a clean finish, how does it benefit the loser of this match? We want all four of these guys going into the match strong. Yeah. Um, how does, say, Braun Strowman... Because, let's face it, Roman was going to win. He'd already done the spear yeah. and Strowman was down for two minutes. So he was going to win. Um, so yeah, having Joe inter- interfere, uh, to kind of blur the finish was good, but I just kind of wondered, did we really need that match? Yeah. Where uh, is it going to go next week? Well, this is what I was, I was just thinking this through. Uh, last, so last week we saw Roman win the, uh, triple threat. This week we've seen Braun beat Roman in the last man stand with Joe interfering. So I imagine next week we'll probably see Joe versus Roman. Uh, with Joe getting the win with Braun's help, and then uh, hope then the week after that, I guess there's one more Raw after that, isn't there? No, I think no, there is. is. No, there yeah. isn't. Okay, so well, next week's the go home. Eventually, we're going to have to see all four of these guys at the same time, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if we did not see Lesnar. Next week. Well, yeah, maybe three weeks in a row is a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, mean, uh, I don't think that's in his contract. I don't think that's happened since <laughs> yeah. 2004. Um, so, last week we touched on the, the Fatal 4-Way. We had a, a little bit of a prediction. We even made a bet, Matt. Yeah. You and I. We, I think, Aiden, you got in on that one on the sly as well. Uh, you got a tenner on Roman. I went with, with Braun and, and Aiden, you went with Joe. None of us went with Brock. Still thinking that? Oh, 100%. Roman Reigns is going. Some other joke for me. I'm not. I'm sticking to my guns. I still think Braun. I think he's too early for Braun. I yeah. I'm. I think I said last week. I'm least intrigued in Braun as champion. Well, we'll see. We'll start, obviously, as we say, SummerSlam two weeks away. Um, looking forward to the to the, the whole card, but that that match particularly holds some intrigue.
everyone from Raw then. Um, Smackdown Live on Tuesday night. Again from Toronto in the same in the same arena. Uh, starts off much like Raw does um, with a promo. This time John Cena. Um, again, great reaction. Seems to be the norm with the first promo out on the shows these days. Um, Cena's promo, I thought, a bit corny, a bit old Cena-ish. Uh, ish. Um, but, you know, he got his message across. Uh, Hayden, I think you mentioned earlier um, to me that you weren't too keen on this. No, he um, he was just a bit too light-hearted and jokey for me. Yeah, he'd just he'd just lost to Nakamura the week before. He's lost his opportunity to become the seventeen-time world champion, which would put him out there on his own as the record holder. And he was just a bit like, "Nah, I tried." Nakamura hits really hard. I lost. Yeah, he was very casual about it. Yeah, I think he had to be with that crowd. I think the crowd were going to get on him from the moment go. Um. So, I guess. We kind of we kind of now know, and we kind of we assumed from the end of well the post SmackDown um, happenings last week that they were going Cena versus Corbin at SummerSlam, um, which now definitely seems we're going that way um, as Baron Corbin interrupts um, new music for Baron Corbin. Uh, didn't really hear much of it. Um, couldn't really figure out what was going on. No, it was um, a slow intro one. Yeah, he had a, a weird never... like chanty sort of sound at the beginning, and then there was. But why change it? I thought his music was good. I before. quite I quite yeah. liked his old music. I thought it suited him really well. So agreed. Oh, a bit of a shame. Um, Cena and Corbin go back and forth. Cena ends up calling Baron skinny fat, overrated dumpster fire, which I think was a sign in the crowd. The dumpster fire bit certainly was. Can anybody shed any light on what? on what the relevance of dumpster fire is. Well, I don't know, but skinny fat has never been a thing, though. Uh, it has. Um, in that skinny fat, you know, when you you don't have much muscle and you've got fat on top of you. What well, muscle you I would do say that. Aiden's skinny, I'm fat. There's no, there's no in-between that. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm probably the in-between now. <laughs> for, for reference, I, I can't remember if it was, it was either AJ Styles or Dean Ambrose, but one of them used it on Ellsworth towards the end of last year. No muscle definition, I think, is what what the, what it means, essentially. Uh, and so, we, I don't know if you noticed, but Baron Corbin has wrestled with a shirt on for the last few months. Since, yeah, pretty much since the brand split. Yeah. So I can understand the sleeveless shirt. Yeah. I don't know where Corbin's finishes. It's like just, <laughs> there's nipple, it's just covering the nipples. Yeah. Um, for me, it goes in too far. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I just, just, just I observed it and I put it down on paper. Maybe fashion. we'll cut that bit out. <laughs> the new fashion files from PWP, everyone. Um, but yeah, just going back to to Corbin and his his physique. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw it on Twitter this week with Finn Balor. Finn Finn tweeted on Sunday that he it was Sunday and he'd forgotten to do his ab crunches with a, like a sad face emoji. Baron Corbin replied. Um, with something witty and, and and weird, but Finn came back and and said, um, maybe you could lend me some of your uh, mass that you're hiding under your sh- your shirt, uh, which Baron didn't take too kindly to. Um, a little bit weird that there's faces now, two faces in the space of a few days, have, have fat shamed 
Baron, who's by no means fat, let's put it out there, uh, Baron Corbin. I'm just going to put it out there, I do not like fat shaming. <laughs> uh, it kind of goes against everything WWE kind of preach yeah. and stand for with their beer style message and all of that. I thought it was a bit weird that two faces are, like two big faces in the company are, are doing this. Um, but that's just a side note. Um, the match was actually made by Daniel Bryan uh, for SummerSlam, Cena versus Corbin. Um, excited to see this match. I, I don't. I've never really got into a Baron Corbin feud. I guess with him feuding with Cena now, there's a bit more intrigue just based on who it's against. I'm not really looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be sort of early on in the card as well. I, I think this has probably got the the makings of a, a very similar sort of Cena versus Rusev sort of feud where they build Baron up and you kind of think he's going to win and you would like actually quite like to see him get the win but then he doesn't I can see this Cena beating Corbin and Corbin cashing in later on in the night there's been a bit a lot of talk about this it ma- I mean it makes sense to, to suggest that but I really don't want to see that I don't want to see Corbin cashing in now because he's nowhere near ready to be WWE champion and Jinder is you make a good point. <laughs> no, Matt Jinder isn't. Um, but the assumption being that Nakamura would win that match and Corbin would cash in immediately. He's not going to cash it in on Jinder um, because that just wouldn't make sense. Uh, I just I don't think Corbin is ready to be WWE champion. Unless he cashes in and loses, but that doesn't do anything for anybody's career. Well, it's not even just that for me. It's um, I I want him to hold on to the briefcase longer because it's more intriguing having someone around who can be a guy who... Yeah, it's like a, a threat looming over the champion. Yeah, that's what we missed last year when Ambrose won and cashed in on the same night. Yeah. Then you go the whole year without this. And it's I, I definitely much prefer him to hang on to it maybe towards sometime around the turn of the year or summer uh, Survivor Series see for me I think they're going to do the early cashing with them and then I think they're going to play the long game with the women's maybe yeah Uh, I don't personally I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see that Um, I don't think we've they've invested enough time in in Baron Corbin's character and and even his in-ring stuff like he's not by any means a bad superstar bad wrestler but I just I don't really care care about him I don't want to see that as my WWE champion just yet. They can do it if they Especially can do a good job off the back of, <laughs> of back what of we've had and, and then Orton before. Yeah, exactly. It would flat. just be a pretty, really, really flat run of WWE champions. Especially seeing as we started the year with AJ Styles, who's exactly. the most over guy on SmackDown, yeah. and then it's progressively got as on Cena, then Wyatt, then Orton. It's yeah, be going downhill from there. We need to put on Kevin Owens. That's what needs to happen. It will happen. Uh, it certainly will, uh, especially if they carry on carry on with the great work they're doing. Um, but before we get on to that, the, the Usos versus the pretty random babyface pairing of Sami Zayn and Ty Dillinger. I guess what they were really trying to do with this sort of two shows in Toronto was just get as many Canadians out there as they could. Um, the babyface team um, sort of pairing. I don't know if it's for the first time, um, but. Good action, I thought. Ty Ginger looked pretty, pretty impressive, but the Usos just again looked really, really good. Um, yeah, I don't think they've looked bad since their heel turn. I do not think they've looked bad in a match. I think they've looked strong. They look like ass kickers in a match. Yeah, they're very aggressive and they know how to kind of get 
get the job done. Yeah, and uh, they're they're sort of I don't know if you'd call it their finisher, but they're they're sort of double team where they one of them plants. I still can't tell the difference. I'm really sorry. And one of them uh, attacks the knee, and then the Takeda Sunrise is locked on. I think that's really impactful. It looks really good. It's so it's, different. It's you never very, really see it. It's a heel maneuver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's, it's like you're, delibera- you're deliberately behind. setting out to injure your opponent's knee, yeah. which we've seen them do with American Alpha. Although I didn't like that JBL said that they did it to American Alpha a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, JBL getting his timeline a little bit wrong on that one. Um, but the Usos pick up the win via submission. The only thing I had a problem with this is... The... I saw it on Twitter as well after... It looked like the referee told Tajin and Jarrett when to when to tap out. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me a lot. Personally, I've not I've not seen that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me that I think you can't really understate the role the referees play in these matches. And I guess with with TV with the, the tight schedules, I just think if they were going to do it, the camera angle should have been a lot different. You're right. Yeah, um, they probably uh, shouldn't have, have shown Someone that. Someone got sucked for that. <laughs> um, so after the match, Usos pick up microphone, cut a microphone, cut a promo on New Day um, until we hear uh, New Day's music hit, or I say music, we, we hear Biggie, Biggie. Um, who comes out on his own, um, only for Kofi and Xavier Woods to attack from behind. A uh, little bit heelish, but you can understand why, considering what happened to them. Um Matching velour red tracksuits. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I did not like uh, that look. Not, not a great, not a great look. Not for me. Uh, we're going deeper into the fashion, oh, into the fashion files. Fashion files. Um, so yeah, Woods and and Kofi get the upper hand, and Biggie as well. They bring a chair into the fray. Two chairs. Two chairs. One of them, which, <laughs> which he threw. Xavier Woods threw straight out of the ring. <laughs> straight out of the ring, and Kofi had to jump out. And retrieve it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, a bit of a bit of a botch there, but um Well this is something that I wanted to see from the New Day. Um, a bit more aggression. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm I i can not remember if I mentioned it last week, but this whole the whole attacks going on from the USO and then uh, them making fun of them as such, um, bringing out just more aggression and another side. I would have been quite annoyed and a lot less interested if New Day had come out at the top of the ramp and told them they were booty and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Well the commentators definitely said New Day are going in a diff- going on a different level here. We've never seen this before. Yeah, yeah I suppose them. you could say it's a, it's a new day for the new day. You could, but I wouldn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, I think the impression with this one being that this is a temporary attitude shift in New Day, and as soon as they're done with the Usos, they'll go back to their fun-loving, jovial selves. Um, we'll, we'll see the Bootyos again. We'll see Bootyos. We haven't seen Bootyos for a while. Um, Renee Young interviewing Randy Orton backstage. Then, um, my my first note with this one is that there was a considerably larger pop for Renee than there was for Randy Orton. Um, and I do not blame the Toronto <laughs> crowd at all. Here at PWP, I... we do not blame the, the any crowd in the world for cheering for Renee Young. No, I pop for Renee in just... <laughs> just in daily life. Yeah, just for when what I'm watching on TV. <laughs> In the comfort of my own living room. Yeah. Uh, don't we all? Don't we all? Um, Randy spoke briefly about, about Rusev and previewing his match with Jinder. Nothing really to see there other than Renee Young herself. I can't believe we've gone through three months of him and Jinder. No. 
Who would have thought that at this turn of the year? Three pay-per-views and more. Yeah. <laughs> um, fashion Files next up. Fashion Peaks. Yeah, Fashion Peaks. Carrying on with this Twin Peaks sort of parody, which did again, it, none of us have really seen. Did anyone Did anyone see the South Park Canadian face on one of the things? And it just looked like it was taking the piss out of Canadians. I didn't, no. I didn't, didn't see that. Um... But they have a lot of stuff on the little in the, the, the board in the background, which makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, they had like a picture of like a hand drawn. Have you seen this man? Photo, which I'm assuming Tyler Breeze was meant to have drawn of Fandango, which was just a, a just like a stick man. That's face. The, so yeah, that's so that's the South Park thing. Right. That's what they make Canadian people look like on uh, South Park. Okay. So that's what it was then. Um, so yeah, I mean, my notes on this. Yeah, firstly, the Ascension. For a few weeks now, they've been involved in these fashion files. They're a bit of a, a comedy role now uh, for them. Um, probably the most TV time they've got since they <laughs> came to the main roster. They don't seem to be that funny. Uh, whereas, I don't mind it. I think they're doing okay. I think one they're the, doing okay. One of the notes I've got is that I do feel a little bit sorry for them that they get all painted up and fully naked <laughs> yeah. just to be on TV for 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta think they're in the live crowd of seeing them before they've got to be doing dark matches. Yeah, probably. Maybe potentially. Um, you'd hope that they don't waste. All... We're talking about budget cuts. Think of the makeup. Exactly. Same goes for Goldust. Yeah. He's always got his full face of paint on. Even Agent, if it's just we for a skipped Goldust earlier. We are not going back into it. <laughs> My bad. Goldust bad. <laughs> um, so Fandango returns. Says he was uh, anally probed. <laughs> Kidnapped by aliens. So, in keeping with the tone of the rest of the show, we've now got anal probes. Um, New for wardrobe. me, it didn't look like he was supposed to say it because he quickly went on to it. No wardrobe. No, I, I think it, I think that they've been given a, a, a bit of a free reign with this yeah. to, to come up with some stuff. That would have been edited out or yeah. redone if he wasn't meant to um, say that. And we probably wouldn't see Fandango back next week if it wasn't <laughs> cleared. Um, he disguised it by saying he meant new wardrobes. Um, and Tyler Breeze trying to make sense of it. Yeah. <laughs> Robes, wardrobes, right? Makes sense. <laughs> they're just really, they've just got really good natural comedy chemistry together. I think. These yeah, two. I think they're Which brilliant together. We can definitely see more. I don't know if if any of you have watched Southport Regional Wrestling. No, uh, there's yeah. a lot of funny guys in that locker room who, if they could just be themselves. Fandango, I think, is particularly a star of that. I love Fandango. Posting with John Cena. I love Fandango. I, um, I love that. Breeze just calls him Dango. Dango, Dango yeah. Yeah, so it's Dango a great name. Um, Arn Anderson is Anderson. <laughs> a I've seen him for a while. Says that he's the one who destroyed Tully the horse because he was the the real star in the in that tag team. A little bit underwhelming with that one. Um, I can imagine seven, eight-year-olds watching this. Would no know idea this, what was going on. Who this old man is. No. But would they know what an anal pro is? <laughs> I should hope not. <laughs> Um, so it's still a mystery who destroyed the office multiple times and who's attacked both of them. Who going out on a limb? Who do you think? Ric Flair. Why? I don't know. No. Just... <laughs> it's just going to go through one of through the, the horsemen yeah. every week. Um, I would be very, very disappointed if it's the Colognes. Same, same here. Oh, We've already fun. counted out the Ascension. The Colognes. If the Colognes are the, the team doing this, then because they had a thing with them disappointed. about. Four, five, six weeks ago. Yes. Um, and they've literally disappeared ever since the uh, yeah. superstar shake-up. I think it's Luke Harper. 
And they're at Rowan. And they're at Rowan because they've been at live events yeah. but they've not been on TV. Why? Why would it? They're, they feuded briefly at a pay-per-view, had a match. Why would they be back together? This is the WWE. <laughs> why not? <laughs> I would Good be point. surprised if... I wouldn't be surprised if they put them back together with literally no explanation and just hope that the fans forget get over it yeah (laughs) oh yeah they've always been in the white family so it's something that wwe have teased now for a few weeks the ending of these fashion files do we actually want to see the end of these fashion files i really really enjoy them i really enjoy them and i i've said this a lot recently but it was they're good lengths they're not too long not too much happens so when something does happen and then they go to be continued it makes you go oh I want yeah. to see what happens next week. Yeah, like, I yeah. genuinely and the commentators seem to be every time it comes on. Oh, the fashion files. Yeah, they well, genuinely they... excited to see it, and also the crowd see it obviously live in the they in get the a arena. big reaction, and they do get a really. You don't really see that very often when people are watching stuff on the Titantron that they actually have a visceral reaction to it, with you know an audible reaction. Um, this just shows, I guess, how good good they are yes it's corny yes it doesn't make any sense and yes it's just a bit weird but it's it's so funny. over the top and ridiculous that it it's works. funny because yeah. you don't you don't try and expect it to be real exactly so moving on from the fashion files um we get a little bit of background about lana and tamina and why they're sort of uh they've why they've become not a team, but they've become close. Um, not that Tamina seems to be too up on the relationship. Although going back a few weeks, it was her who actually started this off by uh, helping Lana to the back or whatever it was. Uh, but Lana's reasoning is that she wants to make Tamina more ravishing and more beautiful and more charismatic. And Tamina's reasoning is that she wants Lana to what well, to help Lana improve in the ring. Well, I think she her. wants Lana to get her these off-title opportunities that Lana yeah, got that, in the first place. Yeah, that was said later on in the right. world, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so you're right. Um, so Tamina looking to use Lana for a particular reason there. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to me, but hey-ho, not much does these days. Um, short match with Charlotte, as expected. Um, Charlotte. Whoa, 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 we've not seen Charlotte for a while. I was it's very been... glad to see her back. Yeah, good, good to see Charlotte, but I mean... We really want to see her more up towards the top of the women's division rather than in this. I can see why they're using Charlotte with Lana. It was a uh, a silly decision by Lana to challenge Charlotte. That was, obviously, that was obvious to everyone. We knew she was going to win this match. Um, she won by submission. I don't think I've seen the figure eight for a while. I can't no. remember the last match she won with that move. And she seemed to bridge. She bridged extra, extra. Yeah, hair. that looked extra. like it really did quite hurt. Yeah, um... What do we think of Lana, by the way, as an in-ring competitor? It doesn't work. No? Yeah, I do I do wonder where they're going, um, which I suppose they have explained a bit more this week. Um, but it's just she hasn't even come close to beating anyone. Every week is a bit of a joke. but Arguably, she came close to beating Naomi. She came close to beating Naomi, but I also thought that with the explanation they gave of she just wants to get better, she wants to be the best, it's a bit of a baby face storyline in that she... It is, but she's so bad that no crowd would ever get behind her. Yeah, I can see that. It's just a bit, yeah, where it kind of like Enzo in that 
can't necessarily take him seriously as a singles person now. Bit of a digger, Enzo. There, he's not that bad. He's <laughs> no, but in 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 the way that now that he doesn't have Cass, um, and he has to kind of maybe go on his own. Every time he has tried on his own, he's just been beaten and destroyed. So where do you really go with him, and where do you go with Lana? Yeah. Um, is it just me who thinks that maybe Lana is? better than what she's actually showing us what she's being told to show us at the moment well she's been down she went down to nxt and they're not going to promote her from nxt if she's not any good well well this this was only her seventh televised match yeah and let's not forget that this is essentially eva marie's gimmick um without the russian accent beforehand um and they promoted her up to the main roster Oh well, yeah, I'll give you that one. When she wasn't particularly great, um, I just think I just think Lana is Lana's clearly very athletic. She's a former dancer. Um, she was she doing less dancing in her entrance this week than than usual? Yeah, sort of cut away and it went to Charlotte, didn't it? While she was doing her entrance. Yeah, um, but she's very clear. She's clearly very athletic, and so she may have a natural ability to be a wrestler. Um, and you think being Rusev's her husband, maybe yeah. you would give her some tips. <laughs> so I personally, that's part plays into the reason why I think maybe she can show more than what she is being allowed to show at the moment because of her storyline is that she's so bad um, and that we're going to see her improve over the weeks and months. Um, Let's hope so because she can't get much worse. <laughs> and there's, a, there's only so much life you can get out of this kind of story. I guess so. Um, so next up, um, Shane McMahon says he's going to lay down the law to Kevin Owens and AJ Styles about their, their match at SummerSlam for the US title uh, with Shane as special referee. It comes out, great reaction for Shane. They even chanting his name in Toronto and he, he, he says thanks. <laughs> Shane is one of the few, I guess, who can acknowledge the crowd reaction he gets. Um, a bit like John Cena does, you know. Um, brings out Kevin Owens, who obviously is Canadian. But at the same time, it's such a brilliant hill. We said last week he'd started to get booze. Not this week. <laughs> no. no <laughs> Full-on no, no. crowd support for Kevin Owens. Did anyone notice Kevin Owens' staging? They've gone back to his original staging this week. He's I lost, yeah, lost the place in America. America. No, I didn't notice that, actually. Because I, I did wonder before. how they would keep that going without him having the title. Yeah. But it's gone back to the old red and black strobing, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then AJ comes out, obviously, again, great reaction for him. Um, the sort of 50 50 split in the crowd support was quite cool i quite i kind of like it when you get that yeah they were literally chanting aj styles kevin owens yeah. which is it makes... a little bit surprising but i in i could see that also happening in a brooklyn crowd yeah i think this is the match that i personally am looking forward to most and probably most of the crowd i yeah. think it's what they're most invested in well if you judge it by how good this segment was Imagine what they they can do with a full on with a full on blow off match on a big stage like SummerSlam. I just hope they don't cut this match short. In, they can't. They can't do that again. Yeah. In favor of Nakamura, Jinder, which I I don't expect that match to go over fifteen minutes. Does anyone else wish this match had some kind of stipulation? Like I thought what, last week when they were when Kevin Owens was saying, uh, um. I need a referee who's going to be impartial. Where I thought they'd maybe go with no referee and do a ladder match or something like that. I thought 
some kind of ladder match you get history of SummerSlam and ladder matches could be quite good. I would love to see a ladder match between AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would love that. Would be a dream match, not a real dream. A match. A real dream yeah. match, not like the dream match we had last week. Um, so I mentioned it. This segment, both both were really really great, but Kevin Owens particularly, just particularly great in this segment. He's just is, he's just by far the best heel in the company. He just knows how to get heat. Yeah, and he well, he knows how to get. He he was even getting the crowd on his side. He got the crowd he, he beautifully set, yeah, on side. He set them up to then to then knock them back down yeah. again, <laughs> which was he done brilliantly. And, he waited just enough time. And he was given license to even mention the Montreal Screwjob, <laughs> which just doesn't just happen. That has that I imagine that is not something that um, Vince approves of. Maybe because it's Shane running things around on SmackDown. And that... Maybe probably also because they've had that closure with Brett now. Brett's come back in yeah. the past, so it's probably not so bad to mention yeah. it, seeing as they've also done that finish. A McMahon's screwing yeah. a Canadian for a title. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Kevin Owens does a great job of bringing up the past. He, he shows a, a clip of Shane acting as special guest referee with, uh, I think it was Austin and Foley at Survivor Series. Yeah. 1998, yeah. Um, and screwing Stone Cold out of, um, with the, the double uh, finger salute. Um, just bringing up the, the jeopardy, I guess, for AJ that Shane isn't maybe the most impartial. Uh, bringing up the fact that AJ recently <laughs> threw Shane through yeah. a car window for no reason <laughs> before WrestleMania. And then they had a match. And that maybe AJ can't trust Shane, which... AJ reiterated when he said he doesn't trust anyone, especially a McMahon, which I thought was a cool line. Yeah, yeah I'm, was a good line. I'm glad that they uh, they didn't kind of gloss over that or just have AJ be like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oops, sorry, I threw you through a car window. Everything, then, everything's all right now. Shane McMahon went on to say, don't give me a reason to get involved in this match. Yeah. So not scared of actually do, yeah, getting I, involved in this match. I think it's good to have him as a legitimate threat in that he could impact the outcome, even though the point of him being there is to call it down the middle and all that kind of stuff. Having him there as a physical threat, should things get out of hand, I think, is smart. Yeah. Uh, generally, um, I thought this segment was the, the best thing on SmackDown by a mile. I could have just watched an hour of yeah. this and been quite happy. Um, but it didn't last forever. Uh, we got a little bit of what the push and shove in, um, Shane tries to interject but accidentally takes a, a Pele kick from AJ um, Kevin Owens sort of wanders off laughing to himself looking all smug looking very smug kind of hoping that obviously driving a wedge between Shane and AJ crowd uh, chanting to AJ you screwed Shane <laughs> yeah, you screwed Shane <laughs> um, but yeah I thought it was a pretty cool touch Shane sort of gesturing to AJ that he's on borrowed time Saying like um, you got you get one of them. One of them, yeah, um, which I thought was quite cool. Building that element of drama, I guess, for the for the match, which is And this even I just though, can't wait for this match. Yeah, even though a match between AJ Styles and Kevin Owens doesn't need any additional sort of embellishment. Doesn't need glossing. No, you get that with Shane being special guest referee. That's what I'm looking for. This is you're right, this is the most anticipated match at some They give the match time, um there's yeah, there's absolutely no reason why they can't steal the show with this. Okay. This definitely will be the show stealer. 
I hope so. We'd, we'd kind of been hoping we'd see that for the last few matches and, and it hasn't quite happened for one reason or another. I think that's been deliberate though. Um, so hopefully this one will, will certainly live up to the, to the hype. Um, so moving on from that, um, next up I think was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Carmella versus Naomi. Yep, there was. Um, which, I don't know how I feel about the Money in the Bank holder facing the champion in a yeah, non-title match. Yeah, I away from... Yeah, I think it's a bit strange. Um, I can I kind of understand why that Carmella would challenge Naomi or whatever. Um, the match itself, it just it was a bit sloppy. Yeah, Natalia looking on as well. Yeah. Which... Why can't they look at a TV straight front on? <laughs> they can't, just you can't do it. Stand you sideways stand with your neck broken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I've never watched a TV like that unless I'm in a pub. <laughs> yeah, if you can't get a better, better, better view. Yeah. The one thing I did like about this was the uh, slide and slap. Yeah, yeah. I that was quite cool. Something Naomi's introduced lately. Yeah. Um, so this match... Wasn't particularly long. Wasn't as we said. Wasn't particularly great. But it does. It was fairly significant in that it marked the return of James Ellsworth. Um, did you think you'd ever use those words? By the way, <laughs> significant return of James Ellsworth. I did not. Um, but I'm quite glad to see Ellsworth back. I think Carmella has probably been. She's probably lost a little bit in in James Ellsworth not being there. Uh, I don't want her to be with him uh, forever. Um, James Ellsworth does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. You know, I, I think I think there's still some some uh, length to that story that they can get they can get something out of. Uh, so Ellsworth returns, actually costs Naomi the match. Kinda. Uh, a bit of a botch. Yeah, it doesn't really seem to uh, touch Naomi in any way. Who takes uh, a tumble regardless? Maybe he was just pulling on the rope. Maybe he was. Um, but Carmella picks up the win after a super kick after the distraction. You know, build some heat for Carmella. Uh, doesn't do much for Naomi going into SummerSlam, but uh, we know what Naomi's capable of. I'm sure she'll have a decent-ish match with Natalia. Uh, I'm not particularly enthralled by the storyline. Um, yeah, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a pre-show match. No, yeah, I, I was about to say that. Two-hour pre-show is going to... There's got to be a few matches on there. Yeah. I would say maybe this with, with Cass and Big Show, maybe... And the cruiserweight. I don't see them putting Cash and Big Show on pre-show purely because Enzo's in the shark cage. Oh yeah, they they want the crowd to maybe come not. in. Maybe not. Um, maybe that would be the the show opener. They like to open a show with Enzo, I think, because it gets the crowd going. Especially, Especially in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so that led us on, I believe, to Jinder versus Randy, right? No, well we had the Natty, Carmella, and James backstage. Uh, yeah, we had a little bit of an altercation where I think Natty said that she was going to give Carmella a chin like Ellsworth. Which well, heard. she called him a chinless, turtle-faced freak of a friend, sticking his nose in where it wasn't, where it didn't belong. Well, there you go. Be a star, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, He's also skinny fat, by the way. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she said she was going to give Carmella a chin like Ellsworth if she gets involved in in any way in, at SummerSlam, and that she's going to win the belt from Naomi. She doesn't want to see Carmella uh, get, do anything at SummerSlam. But Carmella and James Ellsworth saying that they're rooting for, rooting for Natalia. It seems like slightly sarcastic at the time. Well, it? maybe they think that they got a bit better chance. Better chance, yeah. Um, we'll see. Um, 
So yeah, moving on to it was Ginger and Randy, right? No, again <laughs> we went on to a pretty poor interview with Renee and Nakamura. Ah uh, yes. Yeah, there was a sit down with Nakamura. You say pretty poor. Um, is that just do you think because of Nakamura's language barrier? Oh yeah, it's definitely because of that. I th- I just feel that they could book him so differently. Just don't have him talking or give him a mouthpiece. Hmm. He doesn't need to be talking and like this just didn't make sense. It just... Stick him in the tightest brand. <laughs> We're not going to go that far. <laughs> because they're on different shows, obviously. Oh yeah, otherwise it's a... Otherwise it's a done deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just don't like him talking. No? I thought it was okay. I thought, it was okay. I thought his English was actually yeah, better. Yeah, better when, when you compare him to Tozawa... Um, just even like his inflection and the way he speaks, the way he gets his words across, comes uh, is a lot more natural than Tazawa's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think his delivery was good. The scripts was okay. It was all about. Oh, I've always wanted to be in WWE. Um, I, I got to beat John Cena, um, like the best guy that they've got. Whatever it was, okay. It wasn't anything special. And at SummerSlam, we will be the champion dynasty. Well, the dynasty of Nakamura, I think he, he pointed. He, uh, Which is my he... local Chinese. <laughs> is it not? <laughs> is it bordering uh, on racism? Or well, we... we must remember that Shinsuke is actually Japanese. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that Silverio is certainly famed for his dynasties. Um we do actually eventually get to Jinder versus Randy, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, we do. We do, yeah. This is definitely next. So, so non-title match, one-on-one on SmackDown for the, what, fourth time? Jinder versus Randy? I've lost count. Yep. Um, I've lost patience. I've lost everything with this match. One, I think, well, I guess the first time we've ever seen it, Jinder getting crowd reaction now. Obviously, he's from India, right? Not from Canada. So, uh, don't know why he was getting that reaction. Because well, we're in Bizarro Land. Jinder, <laughs> uh, of course, actually is from from Canada. Um, so that would probably explain the reaction. Probably also explain why the fact that he was against Randy Orton and no one seems to care about Randy anymore, apart from Rusev. Yeah, that's that's about all we've got on that match. <laughs> really, I'm just. I mean, my my notes say I. Uh, RKO wins. It was, a, um, it was a very good RKO. It was a good RKO. We saw it in the, uh, uh, I think in the Punjabi prison, right? That that sort of sequence where he reverses the Colossus Colas into the RKO. It looks pretty. It, they always look impressive RKOs. It came fair. off quite well. Um, but Randy wins. He beats Jinder clean. Randy beats the WWE champion. I know it's Jinder Mahal, but clean in the middle of the ring doesn't do anything for the championship, right? It doesn't do anything for Jinder going to SummerSlam? No. I... There was no distraction from Shinsuke or anything like that. It was it was a clean victory. I don't have a problem with this because... Jinder's rubbish? Jinder didn't have Singh brothers. It gives Randy that closure. Um, he at least got a victory over Jinder. Um, no funny business on the outside. And also... Jinder ever winning clean um, doesn't do as much for him in that 
you then take away a lot of his heat. You could have the story in that we don't we don't see the Singh brothers next week on SmackDown either, um, and then they come out of nowhere to interfere in SummerSlam. Uh, not ne- not saying necessarily that he wins that way, but just I think having having him lose so cleanly isn't a bad thing. Okay, no, I see your point. I just I just feel it somewhat devalues the championship when the champion gets pinned cleanly on on a, a SmackDown taping. You do have to remember with that they did get pinned cleanly by the previous champion, the 13-time champion. So it's not as if he was losing to Ty Dillinger or something or something random like that. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, so yeah, Orton picks up the win. Um, very very slowly makes his way up the ramp. <laughs> uh, you did see this coming well, from a mile off. We could, and then we thought maybe it's not happening because it took a while. It to took happen. a long time, and then, then the little trademark thing comes up in the right in the right hand corner, the bottom yeah. right corner, and we get about, to about four seconds left of the show, and then bam, Rusev with a, a kick to Randy um, from backstage, um, and then we don't see any more. So I, I don't know if there's been any sort of extra showing on the network or WWE.com oh, this week. I've not seen any. I've not seen anything. Um, assuming that something, well, I guess 205 is taped after SmackDown, isn't it? Yes. So I'm assuming that ended there. Um, I mean, I don't know, it needs to be seen. Uh, Rusev versus Randy at SummerSlam, uh, with Jinder going into an angle with Shinsuke. Not much build up to either of these two matches. Probably Smack, well, other than AJ and Kevin Owens. Uh, I guess and Cena Corbin. There's a four big SmackDown matches for SummerSlam, and half of them, in fact, three of them, if you include Cena Corbin, really with no decent build-up yet. No, there was almost there. There was next to no enhancement on those two storylines: the Orton Rusev Nakamura Jinder. Um, there was just not yeah, like not until the last few seconds. I liked that Rusev came out, kicked him, and it disappeared, cut straight from there, it didn't hang around for a bit and watch Rusev taunt the crowd or whatever. It was like a good shocking ending. Um but yeah, there was just not much of a there hasn't been much of a build and I'm not really a hundred percent sure as to why Battleground was the last pay per view we saw and they haven't had time to do anything after. SmackDown yeah, SmackDown are a bit of a disadvantage I guess in that aspect in that they haven't had the same time that Raw have had. To build their feud, uh, Great Balls of Fire being was it three, two to three weeks before Battleground. Yeah. Uh, so Raw have had a little bit of extra time to build, um, which has probably helped them. If you think of the the, the matches that they've got, and with the feuds they've built to. Being the worst pay per view I've seen in many years. <laughs> um, so yeah, SmackDown probably have been slightly slightly hindered in in that in that fact. Hindered. They've been hindered by Jinder. Um, it's not all his fault. Let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, that brings us to the end of SmackDown then, and the end of the action uh, in terms of the heavyweights, because we all know the cruiserweights are completely separate roster, right? Yeah. Um, what did we think of the action this week? Generally, I thought Raw was one of the best Raws I've seen for a long time. SmackDown, maybe not so much. A couple of things which stood out, but other than that, maybe not the not the best show. Yeah, I thought Raw was good. I thought SmackDown, I could have done with more Kevin Owens, AJ. I think we all could have done. 
yeah, Raw was the better show for me this week. I thought both shows were good. Um, it, how much better do shows feel when you have a crowd that's lively and more into it? They certainly were lively. Regardless of how good the show is, it always feels better if you've got a crowd who are into it. They can be into it, but sometimes... They can try and take over. You can, they can try and take over, which takes away from the action in the ring, which can be quite distracting. Um, I don't think they, they really went that far into it. Other than the, the Bailey uh, thing, I thought all of their sort of chants and songs and, and, and things were, and crowd reactions were in good taste, or at least were, um, you know, didn't take away from what we saw. Um the they weren't thing. trying to necessarily get the focus on themselves, no. um, which is which is fine. Um, so thumbs up for Raw this week. Um, maybe thumbs towards the middle for SmackDown, right? Yeah, not the greatest. Um, excited for SummerSlam? Can't wait for SummerSlam. Very, yeah. It's looking like a very stacked card. I think when you just got to think of the matches, um, there seems there's quite a few matches floating about, and there's matches that haven't been made yet that we're just assuming will be made yeah. things like Rollins and Ambrose and Cesaro Sheamus maybe something to do with the Hardys yeah. uh, which might not be happening anymore but yeah it definitely seems like it's going to be quite a packed card which has been the case since the brand split really in these um, cross brand shows yeah um, I'm so excited to see SummerSlam um as we said, one of the big four of the year, so you know they always pull out all the stops for the for the big four. Um, so hopefully we'll see some some really good in ring action and some hopefully some storylines will uh, will uh, sort of move on. Um, but um, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, so that kind of brings us to the end of the, of show two. Um, well done, guys. <laughs> Cheers. Um, yeah, we'll be we'll be back next week. Um, if you fancy listening again, um, thanks for listening to the second one. Um, again, we want you to get involved, so please follow us on on social media, uh, on Twitter uh, at the underscore pwp, uh, the People's Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. Um, we're on. We'll be hosting the the uh, episode on SoundCloud. We're also now on iTunes, so please go subscribe, uh, search for the People's Wrestling Podcast, and you'll find us there. Um, so yeah, join us again next week. Uh, again, we'll be we'll be touching on Raw and SmackDown. We'll hope to get some maybe some um, some sort of hot topics to to talk about next week, uh, as well as some other new features which I've I've got in store for you guys. Oh, cannot wait! <laughs> so hopefully next week we uh, we'll avoid the uh, the porn talk. <laughs> I think that could be a regular feature. I think we should definitely skip the porn talk. <laughs> Either way, we'll see if it remains in or not. Uh, That's what so... she said. <laughs> <laughs> and what better way to end the show? So thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We've been PWP. See you next week.